you lot. You listen to Garage Hammer, episode 132. On tonight's episode, the fat manling reaches into the mailbag and answers the seething questions of the day. And then he's got on Stephen Harner, who's going to come on and talk about how he developed his holy wars and decided to continue going with it and to follow Sigmar himself. <laughs> so shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the Garage U Tools. For the next few hours, I will be doing the best I can to share with you my love of tabletop wargaming and probably some of my various other fandoms. So, bringing you questions, answers, and Herner's Holy War, I'm Dave Whitek, and with me tonight, as we just mentioned, is the TO of Holy Wars GT, Steve Herner. Steve, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, Dave. He is the one who knocks, folks. It's Hernsenberg. He's my fix for all of my fake blue crystal meth. <laughs> that I am. I got to do a cook. It's been a while. You know, it's it's horrible. Considering I'm morbidly obese, you're handing me little pieces <laughs> of basically shug, blue sugar candy, being like, here, Dave, which is actually far worse, I think, than if you actually gave me meth. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, my, my, kid, my kid has a chemistry teacher who's a huge fan of Breaking Bad, so I went in my Hernsenberg to the, uh, to the uh, parent-teacher conference. Yeah, so it was pretty cool. I was handing out the blue meth at the uh, Plainfield North High School. Nice. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I picked up some, you know those little vinyl things that everybody buys now, the little vinyl figures in the little blind boxes? Yeah, yeah. We were at the store, and they had Breaking Bad ones. Uh, and like we, like my wife collects the Doctor Who, and I'm like, I'm going to grab two of these. Oh, yeah. So I let yeah. my daughter pick the two boxes, and of course I'm like, I really want a Heisenberg. Like, yeah. you know, and so we opened the first one, and it's the Winnebago. Uh, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, seriously, it's not even an action figure. It's like a Winnebago. <laughs> but apparently that's a rare one. And okay. then I open up the second one, and it's a Pollo Hermanos chicken bucket. Uh, and I'm like, it's still, but that's the other really rare one. And it comes yeah. it comes with a little package of blue meth. Ooh. Like with the her chicken bucket, because that's where they hide it. So I was just like... Nice. Nice. <laughs> I was like, this, at first I was disappointed because I have no figures. I have a chicken bucket and a Winnebago. And then I was, I'm, my wife's like, she's like, you know, you got the two rarest ones. Your daughter picked you out the two hardest to find ones. I'm like, oh, well, I guess that's okay then. Yeah, I guess so. So yeah, there I'm you just go. to go back and try to find me a Heisenberg. So. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay, you know what? Let's stop talking about Breaking Bad and move on to paying the bills here, why don't we? Yeah, as always, we need to uh, take a moment to thank our sponsors of uh, Garage Hammer, Unique Gifts and Games. In Gray's Lake, Illinois. Mercia Miniatures. That's M-I-E-R-C-E hyphen miniatures. We got, Man- oh, we got Mantic Games. Mantic Games for your rank and flank obsessions. The TC War Room in Traverse City, Michigan. You ain't wrong. And Battle Foam, protecting your... Army. <laughs> there we go. You like that, huh? Oh yeah, always. Wouldn't be, <laughs> wouldn't be, wouldn't be garage hammer without that, brother. Uh, and that, that is, that's of all the things we do on this show, that one may be the dumbest. <laughs> well, maybe let you. you, you might, know, it's funny because other people do the it end too. Of this one, Dave. Well, it's only <laughs> it's only dumb because the whole way it started was I was typing really fast and I hit the A twice in Army on the first time for copy. Yeah. And Christopher likes what's with this Army? <laughs> and then I said, oh, I should fix it. And next week I was running late on doing the show notes, so I cut and pasted the opening part with the sponsor list. 
So when it was two weeks in a row, he's like, what is this, on purpose? And I was like, you know what? Yes. Yes, it is, wise guy. <laughs> and that's how that happened. Hey, man, it's your show. It's funny. Well, Christopher hated that, too. <laughs> and it's funny. He's, it's he, it's his fault it happened because he kept giving me flack about it to the point where I'm like, I'm keeping it now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, this is usually the point in the show where we do uh, emails and listener voicemails and things like that. But we're doing a mailbag segment, which I don't think I've ever done a mailbag segment. So um, we're going to skip the uh, the email and voicemail section here because it's going to be a little bit later. Uh, odd thing, I got no voicemail questions for the mailbag. Like nobody called up and just left their mm. question on the voicemail. So there's no voicemails this episode. Um but if you did want to send us a voicemail, you could call 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. International callers in most countries dial 00-1-757-GH-SHOW-6. And if you don't have the letters on your phone, that's 441-4696. There you go. Call now or after the show. That's fine. So. All right, listen, before we take our first break, I just want to do one last quick little thing. And I, I got I to gotta give a thanks out to, uh, I got a fan out there, a listener, who um, heard me talking about my Nurgle and how much I like my Nurgle army. And I've been trading up for some Nurgle things. And in the, uh, in the post, one day showed up a Glotkin, mm. a Morbid X Twice Born, a Gut Rot Spume, and... The gold spray paint that I had been asking about, uh, you know, like asking around about on social media to see if it's, the paint is any good or not. If the it's thirty dollars one, tank. yeah. <laughs> is it any good? Um, it's actually fantastic. Wow, it's wow. a real. <laughs> it's, I mean, I you know, I, I'm one of those people who who gets nervous going out to the hardware store and just trying out different things and bringing it home, and just spraying it onto sprues to see if it works or not. Right, but I've had some splotchy spray paint, and I've had some really good spray paint, uh, you know, primer stuff. And um, when we get to the toolbox, you're going to hear that that stuff goes on smooth and looks fantastic. Okay, I mean, Look I don't know it. if it's a thirty dollar or twenty five dollar can of paint or however much it costs, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to use every last drop out of that can on my uh, on my. Um, Stormcast, my, yeah, Stormcast Eternals. Eternals. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, because it's it, it looks good. I even did it on some of the new uh, terrain bits, like the big globe portion of the oculum. Yeah, I'm like, I ain't gonna be able to reach in there with a brush. <laughs> Look, it's gold. Wow. Yeah, no, it well, looks good. Yeah, if you're not the, you're not the first person to tell me it's been good. So yeah, I was kind of surprised how good it actually looked. Like, I mean, I, I I've used you know gw uh, spray paint before and it's always been pretty good mm-hmm. but this was just like so even and perfect and it's such a nice sh- hue of gold mm-hmm. like it's going to be easy to take that slightly darker gold they've got in their paints and go in and thin it a bit and do it as a wash nice. and then come back and do the highlights with the other gold it's going to be oh it feels like cheating no <laughs> hey man that's 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 how all painting is done we all cheat but uh, when I thanked him and asked him if I could do anything, he just t- asked me to uh, to give a big shout-out to Roadside Hobbies and Games Unlimited in Spanaway, Washington. So I guess Very that's cool. where that stuff is coming from. So if you are from Washington near a place called Spanaway, I'm assuming it's Spanaway, S-P-A-N-N-A-W-A-Y, uh, give them a visit because, um, hey, why not? They were very generous to the show. So. 
the Holy Hammers have a chapter out there. So Kyle, get your butt over there and help that help them out. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We had a Holy Hammer move out there, so he's representing in the Pacific Northwest. Sweet. Yep. Well, yeah. Yeah. The 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 guys spread the, the love. Well, yeah, we got to keep some Age of Sigmar guys out there because I know the the Pacific Northwest podcasts have switched. So lame. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, so hey, I think I think that's everything. So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll uh, bring in the news and rumors and the toolbox. Sounds good. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. Whitech, Hernsenberg, Breaking Stupid. So, <laughs> oh man, we're not. I'm not gonna live that one down for a while. I'm, okay, I'm the one that's the stupid. You're the guy that looks like the guy from Breaking Bad. But you throw me in the mix. It's like, wow, look, it's Heisenberg and his fat special ed friend. Um, wow, I'm gonna get hate mail for that. I can't believe I just said that. I'm a teacher too. I'm a bad, bad man. Oh, yes, you are. Bad, <laughs> bad man. Why did it a bad, bad thing? All right. <laughs> so, uh, news and rumors. Dude, the betrayal at Calth uh, has yeah. just gone up. Um, not, a little bit of controversy because I guess a lot of the 30K players were hoping for GW Plastics to start taking over that type of stuff so that they could, uh, you know, hope. I guess they were expecting it to be cheaper than the Forge World stuff. Right. And apparently, it's not exactly the match to 30k. That... No, it's not. No, nope. I, I, um, I, you know, when when the rumors first dropped that they were that they were going to be doing something 30k, it piqued my interest because I had stopped playing 40k a long time ago, and uh, the idea of 30k was really appealing to me. Um, but the set looks pretty sweet, actually. Now so. I have I have seen it up close, in personal uh, and personal. Um, this it's okay, it's four big. It's like it's like a hex tile game. Mm-hmm. Um, oh no, square. It's maybe, I don't remember if they're square or hexes, no, but they're hexes. basically, yeah, they're hexes. But there's four. It's four big pieces. 
with multiple spaces on each piece. So it's just four four big game board pieces that you put together in different ways. There's like six different scenarios. You adjust the board sp- shape for the scenarios. Um, Ultramarines get 10 tech marines, five terminators, and a hero, a captain. Mm-hmm. Um, the world, the word bearers get their their hero, twenty tack marines and a dreadnought, and okay. so it's that that's that's and it's it's all in there. It's a nice set. So you're getting basically, um, what is it, uh, th- like thirty eight models. One of them being a dreadnought. Yeah. Um, there's all there's special dice. There's hit, critical hit, shield, and blank sided dice. You know the game board, the rules, all that stuff. Uh, it's 150 bones, American. Well, yeah, but but don't both get dreadnoughts, or is it just one? I think, I think there's only one dreadnought in the set. If I remember correctly, okay. there's one dreadnought in the set. Okay. Um, but oh, still, yeah. I mean that's. Yeah. I mean, 30 tac marines. How many come in a box normally? Uh, I don't know. You're asking I, the wrong guy there. I could have sworn it. I could have sworn you got ten. Yeah. Let me take a quick look real fast here. I gotta. The dreadnought's pretty sweet. Oh yeah, it looks pretty cool. I, I actually like it a lot. Yeah, the thirty k the thirty k stuff to me that piqued my interest a little bit. Is the do you know if the tiles come unpainted? Uh, no, it's, it, it's not a tile. It's like a thick heavy cage cardboard. So it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Space Hulk then. Yeah, and it's but oh, it's just sweet. four pieces, like all those little yeah. sh- okay. shaped tiles you see. They're all it, it's just four large pieces. Okay. Um, which is actually really, like, if you go to the website and look at it, you'll see that the board is separated. They've got, like, two pieces next to two pieces. Okay. Um, but it's, wow, it's just, it's a gorgeous set. It really is. And let's see. Yeah, a, a Captain of the Ter- and Terminator armor, a Contemptor Dreadnought, five Terminators, 30 TAC Marines, and then four double-sided boards. So it's actually, there's eight sides of that, and depending on how you set it up, mm. we'll show how you get stuff. But, um, yeah, I'm just trying to look at it. Basically, here we go. Where's So, David, do you think the, the game functions similar to the um, Space Hulk mechanic? I think so. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to uh, really look at the, look at the, uh, the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that I, I don't know. I don't think the space, the space Hulk have special dice. You know, I've got my set here. I could break it out and look, but, um, cause it's literally got special dice and by special dice, I mean, it's not, there's no one through six sided dice. Right. right, right. On there. there. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a tax squad is what? 10 models for 43 bucks. So yeah, you're I- getting 30 of those in there. Mm-hmm. Plus the Terminator Squad five is fifty bucks. So you're getting and a and a Dreadnought's forty seven. So you're getting way more than one hundred and fifty dollars worth of GW models in that set. So if you're looking to start and play with something, that's you know oh and it's got like you know it's got the decals and stuff. But yeah. I mean I know we're not a forty k podcast and all, but I do the After Illinois thing, and I was pretty interested sure. in this. It's, it is it's a gorgeous set it really is it is yeah so well i mean you know gw they they produce quality products oh yeah absolutely like the aesthetic or not they're they're well designed models oh yeah for sure for sure so um 
Other than that, oh, did you see the leaks on Twitter yesterday with the Archeon? No, I didn't see that. Um, I was looking, trying to find some of that stuff. Um, so try to find some of that stuff today. What What do you know? Um, I all Share. I know is what the guy. I saw. I didn't wait a second. I did see a fuzzy pick um, earlier today. Yeah, there was that. What's your Twitter handle? Holy Hammer Hearn. That's right. Hold on. Boom. I um, just tagged you in the one with the picture for the rules. If you can actually see it. I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sending you one with yep. a picture of Archeon. He is on a giant. Yeah. Uh, uh, a giant. Yeah, that's, yeah, I did see that picture, Dave. That's the one I saw. Yeah. Yeah. This. This. this it's huge. Gosh, what is that that he's riding? It's like a. It's a three-headed. A, it's a chimera. Three-headed chimera. Yeah. It's it's it, they, uh, some of them said it's an ascended chimera, whatever that means. Yeah. Well, it, the, just from the pickle, but alone, it's Dorgar. It's, so yeah, so he's no longer on the horse. That's pretty awesome, actually. The the wings. Look at the vein, the veining in the wings. And yeah. Then the, um, the the three head. That that's stellar. That's a pretty stellar looking model. I'm anxious to see more of that. Yeah. And if, if the base is big enough, I can put the scurvy keel on it because I have no idea yet how I'm going to put the scurvy keel on a round base. <laughs> but um, you're looking at a guy with a three-up save, 20 wounds. 20 wounds? Bravery of 10. Well, because it's the whole model. Yeah, uh, that's He true. starts off moving 12 inches. As he suffers wounds, he can move less and less. Right. Yeah, of this, course. Um, it, a save roll of a six before modifying the roll in any way. So an actual six. Roll a natural mm-hmm. six. The attacking model suffers a mortal wound. Mm-hmm. Uh, roll a die each time he suffers a mortal wound. On a five or six, it's ignored. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, my gosh. He's got the keyword. He's got all the, key, all the keywords. Yeah, you can adjust. Oh, um, whenever a battle shock test is made for a unit within 10 inches, you can adjust the result of the die roll up or down by two. So if you're if you're making it, you can lower the roll. Mm-hmm. But if your opponent's making it, you can actually raise the roll by two to make more people leave. I like that. Oh yeah, and then like there's the after attacking with Dorgar's three heads, you can pick one of the following effects if at least one model was slain. So you could pick which of the heads gets in there and does extra special mm-hmm. stuff to him. Yeah. So, and that's just the rules that I can actually see because the right. people who threw this out there, threw the picture on it was very. Uh, yeah, I'm zooming in as bent. we're talking. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, that battle shot, the crown of I can't read that particular domination. Word, that's domination. The one that, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, that's the one that adjusts the battle shock. That's like huge. That. Yeah, it is huge. That is really, really huge. But you know, the thing is, the interesting thing about the about that though. Is you know until we see it all and all how it com- combines, you know, always at first glance it feels like oh my god, like this is way op. And then once you start diving into it a little bit more, and then you start thinking about it tactically within the game, you're like oh okay, yeah maybe you know that could work. And the point is, dude, he's Archeon. Well, sure, and of yeah, and you know, if, as a, as far as pool choices go, with all mm-hmm. that power and with all those attacks, he's gonna wind up being like seven or eight pool choices. Right. So. Have you looked at his? Uh, have you taken a look and compared his current scroll to what you're seeing here in this shot? No, because I really have. Hit, I've had so much trouble actually reading it up until like I just, I just literally had got another one sent to me that was a little clearer, and that's what I was reading off of. 
Yeah. So what is he? Would he be considered Archeon the Ever Chosen then? Uh, this one just says Archeon. So the Ever Chosen. So this is ever- the new one because in fact, right. it, yeah, because he pops up in one of the, in some of the books talking about him. Okay. As- so the, so then theoretically, Archeon the Ever Chosen War Scroll when they when the Battle Tome comes out will probably be gone and replaced with this dude. It it might be. Um, I ho- I hope so. I, that's one of the things that for me. I'm kind of hoping, like with the lizard. I, I know with the lizard book. I'm sorry, Saffron. Um, you know they, they've they've eliminated some special characters and and eliminated some scrolls. So right. I'm kind of I'm kind of really hopeful that we start seeing more of that across the board. Well, and it's funny because the 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 special character what they got rid of Teto Echo, but they have the still the model as the Skink Stargazer. They still have the Teto yeah. Echo model, and he's got very similar rules. Right. Um, right. They did change some stuff, and we're going to actually do a Seraphon uh, review uh, eventually. Um, I do. I do like a few things they've done uh, with it. Um, A few. A few of the ranges have shortened up. A few of the things are a little less ridiculous. You know, by getting rid of Teto Echo's name, you can now summon that thing and not have to sit there and say, "Well, well, can I summon him or can I not?" Right. You know that that whole question of can it? You know, does you know. Yeah, the duplicity or the the duplicate, you know, right. summonings uh, you don't have to worry about anymore. Not to go too far off on a tangent, but one sure. of the things I'm kind of hoping for is that you know, with the idea that if if Teto's gone, like I'd like to see when they start bringing some of these other battle tomes out, I'd like to see some of the like the it, you know w- remove some of those characters, right? That that maybe died in the end times. Right. Let's not see them because I mean, right now they might kind of still exist in some form or fashion, depending on you know which 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 army you're playing. But it would be True. nice to kind of see some of the end times catastrophes and deaths actually apply in these new tomes, and maybe that maybe that's the first sign with Teto not being in the tome. Maybe hey, you know what? Guess what? Some they, they you know the lizards left, and you know hey. He's not here anymore, so I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I'd, I'd actually embrace that. Oh, I'm uh, I'm looking, I'm looking at Archeon's rules. Yeah, and that Crown of Domination is already here. The armor thing, where if he rolls a six, the attacking unit right. subs more. That's already here too. The stuff they've added is, uh, Dorgar used to be that you know his his steed, it's, right? The steed. So he just had four attacks, and that was it. Now it's got that. That Dorgar, you know the the super mm-hmm. Dorgar who went from a steed to a to a right. That so what basically you know he, all of his extra rules are in there, and I don't think he's got the Slayer of Kings anymore. I don't think. Oh, he does. Well, what, I don't see the rules for. Oh, you know what it is? That's around the corner, so I can't. Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to tell. It looks like sure. actually the two. It actually looks like it's the same exact rules. For that as well. In fact, it looks like... the monster, really. Adding 12 wounds for the monster. Yeah, he went from 8 wounds to 12 because of the monster. And, uh, I mean, the monster's got a bunch more claws because now Dorgor's got the claws, the tail, the three heads. So, basically, he's gotten... He has everything he used to have plus extra now. Yeah. They gave him a a steed worth his name. Right, and basically you won't need... I don't think you'll need the ever-chosen rules anymore. They, Of course, they may leave it in there just because they have the... Mo- they have the For people who have the old model. Well, maybe. 
Maybe. I don't know. I mean, you know, they do have the replacements at the back. True. You know? That is true, too. You could just make that any Chaos Lord. Maybe they'll do that. Archaeon, the yeah. Everchosen, is now just a Chaos Lord Chaos on a Lord. steed. Right, yeah. And then, because that, they've done that. That, that yeah. would actually make sense. Yeah, like Draka for but, the Wood Elves. But see, this excites um, me. This excites me for one reason, and it was like when they did all this stuff, Archaon didn't get it. You know, they were complaining, how come this guy didn't get a new model? How come that guy didn't get a new model? Oh, you're talking about when they released in 8th Ed, when they released the... Uh... When they did the end time stuff. Oh, right. Or, right. you know, yeah. even in 8th Ed, you know, uh, how come yeah, well, Malekith didn't yeah. get a new model? How come these... The stuff I've been saying since this came out is I, have a, I had a feeling that the stuff that stayed metal was going to get... Uh, was They were waiting for the new edition. Right, right, right. Because now you're not going to get your Malekith. You're going to get a whatever his name, Malarian, so, or whatever his name is. Or so you think. Um, with this, it's kind of hard to tell. It looks like this. This screenshot is from a is from a battle tome. Right. I mean, is that how you you're seeing it? I mean, it, does it look like it, or is it from? You think it's from another? It says War or, Scroll Archeon. I'm 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 guessing this is a White Dwarf. From a, from a preview of the White Dwarf. Okay, so my thought is is like, you know, what will what what will this be? Will this be like quote Warriors of Chaos, or is it going to be something along the lines of like you know you know how we have the Corn Bloodbound, right? And right, but they all but they all fall under destruction, or no, under chaos, right? Because yeah. I looked at that because I was looking at my my. Uh, my Nurgle army, and I wanted yeah. to put together my. I have this Nurgle. I traded for all this Nurgle stuff. I just got the Glodkin and stuff, and I went to go look under Nurgle demons, and none of them are there. And I'm like, right. where, where the hell are the Glodkin? Oh, they're under Warriors of Chaos. Oh, well, crap. So they're not in the same army anymore? I'm like, no, wait a minute. They are because yeah. they're forces of destruction. Forces of destruction. So you think, you think, um, I know we're going down rumor monger here, but Why not? Uh, rumor road. So, so you think there'll be like a forces of destruction battle tome, or do you think there'll be a like an actual warriors of chaos battle tome, like there is for the bloodbound and for the stormcast? I don't know because yeah. because you know stormcasts are order. So, I right. would, honestly, I would have probably. I guess it's. I, I hate to say, I guess it comes down to money, but you know, a do you want to pay, especially for like order, which is like seven armies. Right. If they put out seven armies in a book, that book would be like two hundred dollars. Right. Right. Or you could pay forty nine dollars a piece for seven different armies. So if you want them all, sure. you wind up paying more. But if you only want one or two, you buy what you want. I I don't I don't see them putting it all together. The only ones I could see them putting together are death and destruction because they're each only two armies. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was wondering one of the things that really piqued my interest with both of the battle tomes and now that the lizards are getting one. I was thinking that how cool it would be, in my opinion, to have just one battle tome for for the elves, right, and eliminate a bunch of stuff, and just kind of, and then even like in the uh, in the um, elf, and I can't believe I'm saying this as a wood elf player, but take take the 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 Sylvaneth out of it completely and give them their own tome. You know, well, I, see, and, I don't know if the Sylvaneth would get their own tome only because unless they get bring out a lot more models for that army because right now it's like four. Right, and the Treekin technically aren't even weren't even in the uh, the the right the battle for Galmaraz. Right, weren't the Treekin to- uh, scrolls not in there? Uh, I don't know. I don't think they were. I don't think, think they were it, either. Yeah. So rumors were that 
uh, that they were going away. And you know, those are metals too. Well, they they came out, they did come out with fine casts on those, but right, but um, they didn't get new sculpts. So, nope. you know, the I don't know. I'm I'm kind. Of, that's one of the things that's got me super stoked. I'm kind of excited to see what kind of changes come out. I'm hoping there are changes that come out. I would like to see a, an elf tome. Yeah, I would for sure. You know, because technically, if they're all in the same, they're all order. They're all right. the same. Plus, it's. I mean, it's not like they're going to be super. I mean, because even now, the uh, high elf stuff has the highborn keyword, and the dark elf stuff has the exiles keyword. Right. So they don't. The, the, it's not like before where it's just you know you just take the army of uh, Malekith right. and everybody gets everything. Right. Because the keywords don't match up. Because I was looking over that thing. Isn't this too busted up? But the keywords keep yeah, it a little yeah. easier. Yeah, keywords are your guide. Yeah. And that's that's our slogan in Holy Wars. So it's like, you know, like with the Wood Elves, it's Wanderers, you know? So right. it's like, okay, how's that fit? And then and then that doesn't match up with the Sylvanath. So no, that's like and so like the synergies actually we'll we can get in that later, but the synergies are totally different now. So <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's it's that's one of those exciting things. I'd love to see them do that. Like I'm really hopeful that well, you know, that's maybe. why I'm so excited to read the Seraphon book because I have to finish up what I'm doing with the other book. I've got like ten pages left, and I got to finish my notes, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to dig into the the Seraphon uh, battle tome because I want to see how they change the stories and and what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, this sure. is really cool. Hey, question, um, and I know we'll get to it later, but for Holy Wars, uh, is it individual army or are you doing um, f- the forces, the order? forces, baby? Either way, however you want to run it. Is there a limit to the number of different armies you can incorporate into your list? It's got to be based upon your general. Okay. So your general's, your general's keywords will be your guide. Okay. So we kept it that simple. But I'm so, saying if you have order, like I'm, you know, because I know destruction only has two armies in it. Not destruction. Yeah, destruction has two armies. Yes. It's, yeah. So if you go with, if you're going with destruction, you're stuck. You've got two. Okay. And death has two. Right. And then I think what chaos. Uh, Chaos has four? Is it four? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and think then so. Order has everything else. Correct. So I mean if I if I mean if I could fit it, I could if I you know, if I kept it all to like, you know, one pool choice per unit, I could take stuff from five different armies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. we've got a we've got a couple lists already like that. Okay. You know, we put out. Yeah, we can talk about that later, but yeah. Cool, yeah. I was just curious because I know some people had even suggested, you know, that it might be unbalanced because some people only have, you know, two armies to choose from and some have, mm-hmm. you know, six. And would it be possible to, uh, you know, yeah. say, well, oh, you only have two armies. So right. you can pick from any lore, but that way you can have vampires and tomb kings, you can have ogres and orcs, yeah. and then you yep. can pick two from the others. But yeah. uh, I just didn't know no. if you guys were doing that or not or just saying, hey, play it, take it, play it. No, we're 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 going. Keywords are your guide, and you know what? Uh, yeah, okay. So death has tomb kings and VC, and you know what? The reality is, there's a lot of synergies in there. You can do a lot with that army. So you know, the idea that your that death is limited because they've only got two factions in it, I don't agree with it. I mean, the idea of of taking one of your core core, um, you know, like one of your let's say one of your pool choices is a unit of zombies, and being able to grow that unit of zombies. Right. As long as you're as long as you're not losing that core unit, you know you're going to have to mark it so we know because obviously it's a part of our scoring and we can get into that later. But you know that that's pretty significant. That's a good. That's a that's a great 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 synergy in there. The idea of growing that and just growing and growing and growing and growing. Yeah. So 
So I, to me, I don't, I don't subscribe to that point of view that it's, that it's limiting. I think that they, you know, the war scrolls, there's over 500 war scrolls for crying out loud. Right. There's, there's a lot of synergies in there and there's a lot of possibilities. And just cause you're limited, just because you would be limited to two with death. I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't agree. I just don't agree with it. I don't see it. So, you know, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but. You know, we'll see. Yeah, like I said, I don't think I don't really think it's a problem either, personally. And I know we're getting all the way off the, the news and rumors thing here, but yeah, yeah, you know, like yeah, there's a there's a there's a huge imbalance into how many different war scrolls are in each faction. Mm-hmm. But like you keep saying, the the keywords are your guide. I don't think you're going to find stuff super broken that you can fit into twenty pool choices. Right. Well, 30 and then 20 that you can deploy. Right. But, but that's what I'm saying. You know, right. you're going right. to play with it because it, those pool choices get taken up surprisingly quick. They do. Depending on what you want to play with. They do. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so that's crazy. Rumors, Rumors baby. Yeah. What else? What else um, you got? That's all I got, man. That's all I saw. That's all I got. So I guess we can move on to the toolbox. Toolbox. The Toolbox brought to you by Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. I'm not doing that very okay. good. You know, <laughs> and I know, you know, we always joke around about them and, and you know, they are a sponsor. They've been a sponsor for a long time. And I never do like live reads because we've got the regular commercial. But, dude, Andrew over there is freaking awesome. Can I just say, he's like, not only is he a nice guy and he sponsors the show, and now he's also sponsoring a personal flash, pa- uh, yeah, personal flash paper. Um, for infinity but dude he's got a ton of stuff i mean he's got so much stuff and it's such good deals like seriously if you need anything for infinity or um uh, wrath of kings he's got stuff now yep and he's got i I ordered from him when i was doing conversions that's where i find i go there when i'm looking for those those old models or old bits and pieces of models that that i may need he he helped i mean it yeah it was huge like I needed some metal. I, m- I remember one order where I needed some metal Wild Riders, and he had them. I'll tell you when I knew he was the real deal. Like, I knew he was good. I knew Andrew was the real deal when I got messages from, like, Chris Tomlin from the Black Sun saying that they had such good deals that even with the shipping cost to ship to England, he was getting a better deal than he was at other places. Oh, yeah. For stuff he was finding. He's like, I ordered a bunch. He gave me a good price. You know, he you know, he charged me just cost for shipping, not just some weird flat rate, just you know, made sure it was a good deal. And yeah, Tomlin was saying he's like he's ordering from, from England. Yeah. From Chaos Work Superstore and get and and he's like, I'm getting a better deal there than I can get other mm-hmm. places. So And it's expanding too, Dave. I mean he's going he's going in his he's got historicals, he's yep. got he's got Reaper, he's got you know, he's he's expanding and he's improved the website too. Yeah. Yeah, he has. So just guys check check out chaosorc.com. But let's jump into the uh the toolbox here. So have you been doing any reading, Steve? Reading. Uh yeah, actually I have. What I've been, been reading read- I've been reading my Stormcast Eternal um Battle Tome and my Battle Tome for the Bloodbound. Nice. And then I've been reading um Let's see what else have I been reading? Some other games that we won't get into, but you, you know, can, hey, you can name them. I'm, I'm not okay. afraid of them. Um, I've been really digging digging into Malifaux, and I've been digging deeper into Wrath of Kings, into the fluff. So, um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are that's 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 my that's my pretty much my my. Uh, I've got four 
I seem to have four main games going right now, which is crazy. But I've got little bits and bobs out on the table for all of them. Is right. I got Age of Sigmar, Malifaux, Wrath of Kings, and Infinity. Yeah. And before someone says, "What about Kings of War?" I've already got Kings of War armies, and I've got them all built. That's why I'm not really building any new stuff for that right now. Because when I do get a chance to play, I've already got my army made for it. So I'm going to tell you something. Um, the the battle tome. Okay, so like. I wasn't really a fan of the um, the Stormcast aesthetic, right? Like the, the design, okay. Okay. Just just wasn't a fan of it. I saw a couple conversions on Twitter, and I wish I could give the guy props, but and I'll I'll throw it out there. Um, if I had his name, I would throw it out there. But what he did for his conversions on his Stormcast Eternals was he he like did a head swap and he used like uh, space Mer- space Mer- uh, space wolves. I saw that. Um, yeah. All right. So and then yeah. paint. So like pinning them up so they look ethereal spirit like you know really right. fantastic stuff, um, but what has impressed me in my reading uh, has been in the the battle tome for the Bloodbound, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, at first, when when it, when it dropped, I was kind of like I was like all right, it's just chaos, just chaos, just chaos. But then as like I started to get into it a little bit, and I'm not all the way done with it. Maybe the next time we talk, I'll I'll have it done. Sure, but the there's there's a certain element in there that I'm kind of starting to dig with the fluff. It's not your typical kind of um, um, your, your chaosy type thing. Like the chaosy thing never really appealed to me. Right. Uh, you know, like uh, the, the chaos warriors, men from the north. You know, corn. The whole that whole thing. I mean, I I, I can't stand painting so many skulls. Blah blah blah. <laughs> uh, it, you know, like it, it's like GW's got the, like the clone stamp and all their you know, of a skull and they just put it everywhere. But exactly. like, the, like, like, like the blood reavers, for example, which, which I think are really like, I really like those models. I like the way they look. They're tip um, top and they go to, they're amazing to put together. Right. And I haven't built mine yet, but I, I love the, I love the aesthetic of those guys, but I like the, the concept of them, you know, like the, the, what, the way they're going with this idea of, um, and, the the fluff of like the the like they're, they're kind of like these slaves you know the and, conquered and, peoples if you're yeah, worthy they I, invite you to be one of them and you right. have to be like right super sociopathic like and if you're not you know you better learn to be it's yep love it it's it's actually that comes up in the Q and A people are asking you know I'm not really that into the fluff and I'm not seeing where it's going and it's like you got to give them a chance and, yeah. and we'll get into that when we get into those questions because. Yes, you don't need these. You don't need to buy these battle tome books. I mean, the PDFs are up there, and you don't need. I mean, the rules come with the models and all that stuff. You don't yeah. have to. You could buy the oh, white dwarfs and get the rules. You know, mm-hmm. you're if you're buying these books, you're getting that story, and the story's good. I don't know, bro. I we at North Star, we won the raffle. The two holy hammers, Tanya and I, were up there, so yep. we won. We won a raffle, and we both grabbed the tomes. Yep. And um, after reading these tomes, um, you know, I think I've recovered from the sting of being burned by the end times books. Um, <laughs> so I, I kind of I'm I'm gonna buy the lizard man one. I'm not I gonna buy the, I'm not buying the special edition stuff. No, 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 um, no, no. I'm not falling for that again. But <laughs> um, but uh, but no, these are the the books are great. And what I what I love about the way the books are designed. Um, and what I've been reading is I love the fact that they put the rules in the back of every book, um, mm-hmm. which I think is a nice little touch. And, and, um, I like the, I, I, I like it. I like where, where they're going with it. And it's like, it's almost like as if you were a kid and, and, uh, you know, 
Batman number one came out and you get to start from the very beginning. Oh, yeah. So you're in on the ground floor. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm really digging that. So I will read the, I will get into the Stormcast one a little deeper, but um, the corn, the corn bloodbound book, I'm really enjoying what I've been reading from. It. The only, the only beef I had with the Stormcast one was that the, the first Age of Sigmar book and all the Black Library books have completely focused on them. Yeah. So the stuff I was getting when I was reading the Battle Tome, um, a lot of it I kind of already knew. Oh, okay. Well, you that's good for me then because I haven't read those books yet, so it would be nice for me not to be like feeling like I'm repeating myself. Right. So I mean, there's yeah. interesting stuff in there. It was just like I've been yeah. I've been reading everything, so it's like okay, I know this stuff because that's really what they've been pushing. As the, and I don't have a, I don't have a problem with that. As the new army, mm-hmm. you know, go ahead and make the first three four fiction books mostly focused on them. We need to know who they are. Yeah, totally. Um, but these other ones, you know, that's why I'm excited about the Seraphon because, yeah, they're now the space lizards and they're the space demon lizards. And um, from what I gathered from a cursory glance, you know, it's like the Slon is basically what's left and he just summons them all up from memory. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like Corn summons up demons just as a part of himself from his power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like I said, it was just a cursory glance, but that seems to be what the Slan does too. Just the same sort of idea i'm like okay this is different this is very different right so they're not uh they're not they're not just rehashing it they're they're actually and it's great because even in the beginning of that book they're talking about they remember the world that was yeah yeah, because they didn't get sucked up they left right they left before the destruction happened so it actually so it's it's weird because i know and this is where people get salty, and I know people are not going to like what I'm having to say here, but that old Warhammer world, the world itself may be dead, but that story's not gone. This isn't a new... No, this is, They're continuing the story. You right. know, they, right. they, yes, they destroyed the world we knew, and a lot of that cool stuff is gone. Um, and they haven't explained exactly how a lot of the characters and races wound up in the new place. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But let's be let's be real too, you know, as you're saying that, this is a British company, right? Right. And and Doctor Who hails from Britain. Yep. So they could always do some kind of weird time travel realm gate thing where maybe suddenly there's a realm gate out way out in the east. Sure. The, though, though it's never been explored and then suddenly boom, we're back in the old world. So they could always bring that fluff right back to us and Well and, and I I originally thought, you know, with the different winds of magic, you know, different races received the different yeah. Thing so maybe it was that, but I'm like, but then a lot of them would be elf worlds, and no beastmen got a got a wind of magic. So how did they wind up there? And I'm like, and I, I just said, I'm, I just stopped asking. I said, dude, who cares? They're either going to explain it or they're not. The stuff they are yeah. explaining is there's so much for me to read right now. Right. I'm not going to worry about what's well, going also, on. <laughs> but there's also time, man. I mean, like yeah. a lot of time has passed since the end times. It's not like you know the end times. Boom, and then all of a sudden, hey, Sigmar, you know, it, it, there, there's this, the, these in within these realms and stuff. He built these realms and he did all this other stuff. So how we don't we haven't even gotten we haven't really even seen you know, the race of men, right? I mean, right. They, they're what are they doing? Just wandering around aimlessly? No, they're going to be building villages. They're going to be building homes. They're going to be building communities, and then you know we're going to get to see that. So. Well, and yeah. even with that, let's, I mean, Sigmar, if you read some of the stuff, Sigmar, when he got to some of these realms, walked around and saw that these realms, that there were, there were relics of ancient civilizations in these realms. 
Yeah, there you go. So literally, right. these realms have been around for, I mean, Sigmar closed his gates for a few centuries. Right. And he right. was walking around right. doing stuff for a long time before that. So you're talking thousands of years in these realms have gone by that we don't have a history for that they're slowly starting to fill in bits and pieces of. I'm I'm just I'm all sorts of excited. I am reading voraciously what they're handing me because it's actually it's a pretty cool it's it's pretty cool where it's gone so far. Yeah, cool. So cool. Yeah, I've been doing that. So have you read anything else, any of the other tomes or anything else you wanted to mention? No, no, just um uh I'm getting really hooked into the uh into the, the Malfo range. Um I've been like thirsting to wanna to want to read more of that fluff and and then um and then of course the from the and then um the Wrath of King stuff as well. So I've been diving into the fluff on those two books, um, on those two rule books, trying to um, find inspiration for for modeling stuff. But cool, that's about it. Yeah. very cool. I I do I I'm a fan of the uh, Wrath of Kings aesthetic. I do like those models. Even the weird pigmen and the weird uh, fish people have grown on me. <laughs> the only ones I wasn't a huge fan of are the weird, mostly naked chicks that, and the mostly weird, like almost weird, pregnant looking naked chicks yeah and this year yeah yeah and i mean it's just okay. it's an odd aesthetic plus you know my daughter she's 12 and she's down here painting stuff yeah you know sure. and my son's down here and it's like the weird naked like you know when i was 19 that was yeah. the coolest model ever Look, check it out i got weird naked models i'm a guy living in his basement you know <laughs> in his parents basement but as i get older i don't need the weird naked like i don't right. i'm not offended by it like there's slanesh you know the slaneshi demonettes sure. and you know the old the the models that had their boobs out and stuff like that mm-hmm. like it doesn't bother me but i just you know i don't go out of my way to to just over you know the over completely overdone ones cuz yeah. you know my daughter let's just say dad what's that and i'm like okay right. i'll just push this aside yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So, i understand. i hear you but um I don't have that danger, man. I got three boys, so they're just like. <laughs> okay, great. Oh boy, let's see. What have I been reading? Oh, I'm. Fin- I just finished the Galmaraz, the third book in the Black Library series. You know, they had the um, mm-hmm. the Gates of Azir, the Warbound, and then this. I'm reading that and the Quest for Galmaraz uh, book because uh, Johnny Hastings and I are going to do a coverage of that. Uh, the, those nice. two books for the for a fluff review. Um, just finished listening to the Aeronauts Windless by Jim Butcher. Mm, I didn't get that one. It's his brand new series that he just put out, and mm. it's uh, a fantasy. Got a bit of a steampunky feel to it, but I wouldn't necessarily call it steampunk at all. Did you say it's an audio book? Yeah, well, it's a regular book and an audio book. Yeah. So if Did you're, you read it, or are you listening to it? I listened to it. Uh, now, Cranky's who's a narrator. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. I never heard him before, but I did like him. Hold on, I'll look it up right now. But uh, it's not it's not Marsters from uh, No, just... no, they got a new guy. It's a new series, new guy reading it. All right, dude, I'm going to put it on my list, man, uh, I, narrated it's... by you and Morton, E U A N Morton. Okay. Yeah. Um it's it's amazing. Cool. Uh, that's the only I'll check it out. I mean it was like a 24 hour listen almost uh, 20 to 20 some odd hours. No spoilers, dude. No spoilers, although I will say this. Now you're spoiled. No, no, it's Come not spoilers. On, All it's right. Not spoilers. Um, okay. the world he creates is amazing. It's just it's really good. unique. It's got it's a not, real good Jim Butcher feel to it. Cool. Um I've been dying. I finished I finished the Dresden series. 
Right. And, you know, his, his, his next book isn't due out, I think, until maybe next year. Well, because he was working on this. Right. So so I've been, like, dying for more Butcher. I've been I've been doing my audio book I've been doing is um, A Feast of Crows. Uh, it's oh, book okay. four. Uh, and I've been doing that on audio. And, and the guy who narrates that, oh, dude, it is painful. It's oh, really? painful. It's, have you listened to it? I've have only you? listened to the first one. Oh, my gosh. Is it the is same it, guy for all of them? Yes. And it's it's like in book three when Ygritte, in the, it, it, she's like, you know nothing, Jon Snow. I mean, he's like, you know nothing, Jon Snow. You know nothing, Jon Snow. And when, she, when he says it in that female voice, that old crotchety man female voice, I just want to stab myself in the heart. Oh, it's, really? Oh, it was brutal. It was brutal. See, I and listened that, to him read um, the first one, what, whatever it's called. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, the first book. Yeah, yeah Game of Thrones, the first book. I liked it. Yeah, well, I liked them in book. I I didn't. I liked them in book two, and and then I bought. I bought. I went ahead and did um, um, book three, and it was when I just couldn't. I just couldn't handle it anymore. I was just like, I, and I, I still bought book four. I'm like halfway through book four right now. Um, a song of ice and fire. Okay. And, um, I'm digging. I'm digging it. Um, I was reading the books. Like I read. I actually physically read book one. Okay. And uh, and then loved it, and then obviously got hooked on HBO, and that show just went completely off the rails. So, you know, it's like they're just totally going down a path that isn't even like you know. They kind of had to. There's yeah, no way yeah. to do those books that way. And Martin yeah. himself has kind of overseen it and okayed it. Plus, let's face it, HBO are the only people who know how this series ends. True. Because he told them just in case he kicks it before he – because he ain't ever going to write the last book. <laughs> no, probably not. No, he's but, not. I mean, let's face it. Yeah. He's on He's on, He's on. on Twitter and he's got his blog and he's, and he's doing all this other stuff for these other shows. Yeah. And uh, it, uh, it just doesn't seem like he's going to bother, right. you know? Right, right, right. I just – you know, the thing is like I'm, I'm about – like I said, I'm about halfway through Feast of Crows. And they're just – there's so much they could have done. You know, with 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 with, I think they could have presented things so much more, um, with with so much more passion and kind of like with the walkers and oh okay and you know the the idea of giants and mammoths and and all kinds of stuff that you know that just to me could have been done so much you know cool more more powerfully. But anyway, yeah. So that was that 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 uh, that was the other audio thing that I did, and then. Um, I would highly recommend on audiobook if you don't mind. Go ahead. Is if you haven't done it yet, is the unabridged version of Dune. Have you done that yet? I have. I had not only listened to the entire Dune series, yeah, but the uh, the prequel series that his son wrote. Okay. The uh, the uh, what is yeah. it? The the Machine Wars. Okay, I haven't heard that one. Oh, um, yeah, he did it with Brian. It was I think it was Brian Anderson and uh, yeah. and. Um, and uh, Brian Herbert. No, it's Brian Herbert and uh, whoever whoever wrote it with him. Okay. Um, but it's basically it's this weird trilogy of sort of the history of what leads up to Dune, and it's nice. It's it's the you know the machines who are were in were in control already, and it's like oh, when the nice. hum- the rebellion against the machines and stuff like that. Okay, cool. It took a little while to get used to it because parts were weird. Yeah, but I mean, the, this is the same. You know, his son is the one who finished the book series with like what books seven and eight so, or something like that of the series. Yeah, and what's great is if you 
if you get to book seven and eight and finish the series, when you go back and listen to that uh, that that trilogy he wrote for before it, it all links everything together. Like he really sets mm. up what's happening there. It was it was really fantastic. Cool. I loved it. Cool. So that's really yeah. worth listening to. But yeah, um, check that out. Yeah, Bri- Brian Herbert, right? Isn't that his name? Bri- yeah. Brian. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, Brian Herbert, and he, but he yeah. writes with somebody else, and I can't remember. It's something. Yeah, Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin. Kevin. Kevin, Kevin Anderson. That's Kevin. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're running a little bit long. Let's take a break, and we'll come back and finish the toolbox uh, before we jump into the uh, mailbag. All right, sounds good. Cool. Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm, it doesn't separate from the base, they custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut and designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. Battle Foam, protecting your army. And we're back. Yes, we are. You're back. Back with the toolbox. All right, so we've gone through the reading, and let's move on to hobbying. What have you done? I know you've been doing a lot because you're getting ready for Holy Wars. Yeah, so, all right, so I've been building lots of terrain for Holy Wars, and I know we're going to talk about that later, so I'll I'll go into that later. Um, So if you don't mind, what I'll just tell you about is models themselves, armies and stuff. So I finished my... Infinity uh, Japanese Sectoral Force, the JSA. Okay. okay. Um, I finished them about about a week ago, and it was I broke out the airbrush uh, again. Um, for it's been a long time since I used the airbrush, and I, I, I painted them up and did them um, individually. Like I, I did, I painted the model off of the base, you know. Right. Um, and I hadn't done that in a very long time, and then um, now I've assembled my entire Toha army and I have them on the bases this time. Um, I'm going to paint them all on the base. Okay. And then I finished uh, building out my, the remaining models for my Hadras, which is a Wrath of Kings army. That's the fish people. Right. And I'm in the process of building my Shalhan, uh, which is Wrath of Kings yep. models. And so I finally figured out the theme for that army that's been sitting in boxes for weeks. So I finally figured out what I'm going to do with the, them and started building them. So I got a lot of construction going on right now and no painting other than painting Holy Wars terrain and building that stuff. So that's where I'm at. Sweet. Lots of stuff. All right. 
Uh, I let's see. Now I traded. I mentioned this, I think, last episode. I traded away some uh, blood letters and my uh, chaos half of my my Age of Sigmar box set for two more of the sets of the Stormcast. Hmm. So now I have three full sets from the box. Okay. Of Stormcast. I've got one set that I have built and two that are still waiting to be built, so I'm pulling them out. Uh, I primed the set with that gold paint. Whoa, it looks so nice. Okay. So that actually kind of got me excited because I finished. I'm like, wow, these actually look good already in this gold like this. Like, you know, I'm just yeah. used to black primer. So I'm just like, okay, uh, I got to get these other guys built. And I do have one box of uh, Vindicators. So I've got five guys with bows now. Okay. To go with so, that. Can I ask you a question? Sure. So are you are you gonna go with? So you're doing hammers of Sigmar then. So you're doing all gold. Is that gonna be your chapter, or are you gonna? Yeah, look I think at, so. Like, I think I'm just gonna keep for now. That's what I'm gonna do because I'm actually gonna do this. I'm not going for like any best painted awards with this. I'm going to get this painted so it can be put on the table so that Harrison can play with it too. Because okay. I still want to focus. I've got my undead that I play more often, and I want to get my dwarfs. I'm still working on them. In fact, I've ordered up some stuff to do the. I'm changing my custom bases from the square ones to round ones now. Yeah. I have to redo them, but I'm going to do them. Yeah, um, so, I'm dreading that. Yeah, but it, it, I, I, you know, I spent all this time and effort to make the square ones. All I got to do is find a template for the round one to get the first one done, mm-hmm. and I'll be able to start mass producing them, uh, make a mold and do that stuff with the smooth-on products I've been using. So. You can't sand them off. Like, could you? Could you sand off the corners and make them round? No, because they're twenty mil squares. Like, they're not even that right. Oh, side. yeah. No, it right. was just, yeah. yeah, too small. Yeah. So I'm just like I said. I'll, I've I found the Hearst Arts mold that I want. That's got a twenty five mil or a one inch round circle that I can use okay. as the the starter, and I'll just run from there. But uh, dude, reach out to Castle Kits, Ian Martin. He he's my he's a sponsor for Holy Wars. Oh yeah. Yeah, man, reach out to him. He'll um, he'll uh, he'll hook you up. So just mention mention Holy Wars and everything, and we'll, maybe we can work something out where he'll cast them for you. Oh, you, won't to, you won't have to go through all that work. So well, yeah, I, we'll, I've got the stuff from Smooth on the cast. I just got to make the molds. Oh. That's the problem. I just once oh, I make okay. once I get the originals, I just got to make the molds. I've have the stuff. I've been making my own. They're cool. I actually enjoy yeah. making them. It's like wow, I did these from scratch. Look how cool I am. <laughs> I, I have See? cool custom bases. I rule. You're already cool, man. <laughs> You're a voice in the industry. You're uh, a celebrity. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm internet famous. <laughs> there we go. Um, but so I got that gold spray paint. I got that set done. And then since I was out there and I was like, well, since I'm standing out here, I called down the hair. I'm like, Harrison. I'm like, bring me up all my terrain. So he comes up with these two big tubs of terrain because I've been using all my GW terrain like on the boards when we play mm-hmm. AOS, because I do it really uh, heavy. I don't use all the forests, but I use a lot of everything else. So I had to bring everything else. Everything has been primed. So I've actually nice. started. So I only so, had like two buildings painted, and then the rest, the forest and everything was gray. And so I've started dry brushing up all the stone. Cool. And I'm Very like, cool. you know what? It's it's easy. It's quick. It doesn't have to be gorgeous. It just has to be nice. Right. And I'll now my table will look good. My models might not be done, but, but the table itself, when people come to play, will be playing yeah. on a table that looks really nice. So right, right. It's, it's really sort of getting my hobby, you know, my hobby juices flowing. Yeah. Well, working on the terrain is. Yeah. Because well, it's whenever, quick and simple. 
yeah, whenever I get into a rut, like if I get army fatigue, um, I'll switch gears and I'll, and I'll like look at doing like a terrain piece or something. And then it, then it kind of like re-energizes me to jump back into painting 50 models, you know? So you feel like you made, I feel like I made some progress. I mean, I literally, and it was just with, you know, uh, a black can of board to pieces primer, Right. But uh, it's five forests, two sets of the fences and walls, all mm-hmm. four of the arcane fulcrums, the realm yeah. gates, the dragon deus, the oculum, the other thing. Like, it's just all suddenly solid. And I'm like, pulling out, I just got a big pot of gray, pulled out a chunk of it, boom, hit it on the palette, yeah. thin it out a little bit, and boom, boom, boom. I'm just dry brushing over it. And I'm like, this is coming together. So now when yep. I put it on the table. Here's what I want to do, though. Once I get this stuff done, I'm going to do the trees. I'm going to put the leaves on the trees. The GW plastic trees? Or are yes. You gonna do I'm going to try own? to attach the leaves. I, I have five of the GW fo- plastic forests. Okay. So that's 15 trees. And everybody right. puts them out the same way. Bare. Like it's winter. Right. right. I'm like, no, I like I like the look on the box. with the, Sure. I'm going to try to get those. Cause everyone says they don't attach very well, and they then they tend to break off. So that's why they don't want to do it. And I'm like, I'm doing it. Forget it. I'm just putting it together. Well, if you do the, if you do that, and you find yourself running into a problem, go the other go the other route and do the um, do the uh, the the clump foliage with a hot glue gun. Oh, that's and not then, a bad then idea. Have, then you don't have to paint it. That's what we did for Holy Wars. So you can and you can do those like in a, in less than you know a couple hours. Boom, done. I mean, and you, you're not you know you paint up the bark, you paint up the, that whole thing, and then you you take the clump foliage from the model railroad and you you stick some hot glue on those branches and bamo. That's how you know my wood elves. You've seen the wood elf army. Oh yeah, all, all that that's how, that's how that's done, man. And it's real fast, down and dirty, simple. And then you've got natural tone and natural shading and shadowing because it's clump foliage, right? And then if you if you if you want to add some paint to it, you can you can you can you can hit it with some a little bit of dry brushing, or you can hit it with a little bit of uh, uh, a little bit of airbrush, or even a little bit of spray paint. Oh, not a yeah. bad idea. Yeah, man. sounds good. I'm yeah, like that. yeah, I like that idea. Thanks, yeah. man. Yeah. So that's been my my stuff. Awesome. I've been just like a lot of building and a lot of priming and starting to feel that rush. So I'm hoping that next Sweet. time next next episode, I'm going to report that I got you know a, a lot of a table. Uh, painted so we'll hold you to it yeah there you go you might as well hey <laughs> hold me to whatever you want man i've done almost no hobby for like a year practically so i've been i've been actually been told rotor told me this he goes don't even say you're a hobbyist anymore you don't paint anything don't even lie to people <laughs> he goes, i don't know what you are you're like a fluff lover reader and podcaster you're you don't play that often and you don't do any hobby i don't know what you are i'm like that's me uh, so yeah <laughs> and I couldn't argue with him either. I'm just like, yeah, you're right. It's kind of so, hard to argue with Rotor with regardless of what he says. Yeah. He just he just says it with that tone and that voice, and you're just kind of like, oh, well, eh, okay. Well, and the thing is, he, he never he'll he'll never throw something at you like that without actually thinking it through. And he's always like got all his reasons. Totally. There's a guy who knows how to debate and argue and lay out his case, and it's just. Like I'm just I I never stand a chance. I'm just like, yep, yeah, you're right. You know, this guy is green. You got it. Yep. So, <laughs> yep, totally. But uh, so in the other category, before we wrap up the toolbox here, um, any I just and this is just if there's anything that hobby related or or any of your other fandoms that 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 you've really enjoyed that you want to mention. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. So so I'm just I'm a major comic book dude, like superhero guy. All right. And so 
in my Netflix queue, I have, you know, shows that, you know, comic book shows and whatever. So anyway, so there was The Flash, right? The Flash debut. I think it's one of those CW shows, right? I like that show. Yeah. Dude, so I, I, I flipped it on and I love it. And so it's become my new my new favorite show. Like I, I, I tried to get into Arrow and I just didn't like where they went with Arrow and uh, I was a big Green Arrow guy and, and I think what ruined it for me in the very beginning was the aesthetic that they tried to achieve with the silly spray painted mask and all this other silly crap and But I, I didn't mind that so much and they've gone away from it. Like they've <laughs> they've slowly developed it. Like we're in the I'm 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 watching the new season right now because I've been keeping up with it the whole time. Yeah. And he's actually calling himself the Green Arrow now, and he's got oh, the Green finally. Arrow costume. Yeah, well, I mean, the hell? he was just the Arrow, because that's what people yeah. were calling him. And then they had the Red Arrow showed up, so when he came okay. back, he yeah. you know stepped in. You know, I heard Raza Ghoul's there this year, too. That's that was I... last season. Okay, oh, last season. All right, my wife watches it, so she's been trying to hook me back into it, but you know, she's got the thing for Stephen Emil, so what, what am I going to do, right? Hey, so. he's a handsome man. There's not much yeah. you can do about that, but the fact is it's uh, it, the show has gotten better. If you like okay. comics and you want to give it a chance, it does get better. That's my yeah. my opinion. Okay. All right, well, then I'll, I'll, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll jump back on that based on your opinion, but I really dug, been really digging The Flash, and then... Um, Flash the, is so much fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good time, and then um, I'm really digging the the beginning of this season of uh, Walking Dead. Um, yeah, I, the last episode was a little bit longer than I think it needed to be, but man, what a well, good start yeah, to the season! Yeah. Kung Fu Morgan, you mean? Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to explain to my kids about Kung, the show Kung Fu, right? And right. I'm like, you know, so all of a sudden we get to see Morgan, and he's like Kung Fu Master, he's walking the earth. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, um, yeah, I agree with you. It was a little, maybe a little too long than it needed to be. Um, but I definitely like where they were going. And, and Carol has quickly become my favorite character. Carol, um, Carol became my favorite character uh, beginning of last season. When she blew up Terminus? Yeah. 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 yeah even, Wasn't yeah. that when she blew that? Yeah, when right. she rescued them all. Right. She went all and, badass. And I knew she was awesome. Like, when they sent her away, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, you know what? Carol's going to survive, though. Like, she'll oh, be back. Yeah. She's going to survive because yeah. she's so oh, yeah. tough. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what a great what a great swing for that character from who she was in the beginning. Oh, totally. Definitely, in my opinion, the best character arc and character development in that show. Yep. By far. And, by far. I know everybody loves Daryl, but I mean Carol. I was even I was sitting. I watched it with my daughter, and when that little boy came in and she was telling him how she'll make him yeah. cookies or she'll tie him up in the woods <laughs> and no one will ever find him again. I was like, my my daughter's like she's evil. I'm like, no, she's awesome. Uh, she's she awesome. she does exactly yeah. what needs to be done. Exactly. She's a survivor. Seriously, I would. That yeah. she's uh, she's my vote for Secretary of State. I'm telling yeah. you right now. Yeah, president, dude. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Oh, okay, how about you? Um, I've been watching that too. Um, what if I just uh, I'm I'm almost caught up on last season of Supernatural, so I can start watching this season. Mm, I've been okay. watching a lot of TV, like like I, like more than I should. Like I've been doing other stuff while it's on, so it's not like that's all I'm doing. I'm grading papers and stuff. Sure, but it's like my DVR is going hog wild. Like I get home at night after taking my kids and stuff, and I sit down to grade papers, and there's always like two hours worth of stuff on the DVR. Yeah. The nice thing is I can jump through the commercials, so it only takes me an hour and a half. Right. Do you but, watch Doctor uh, Who? Are you a I Who? Do. I am a fan. Although this season's getting a little wonky. Okay, because like, okay, so don't no spoilers for me, because like I, 
I've gotten like addicted to binge watching now. <laughs> so like I've got them all saved up. They've got them all queued up and I'm right. going to, I like watch the first two episodes. Yeah. First two episodes. And, um, of what so, this like, season or of, just of the this, new yeah, no, okay. this season. Okay. So, you know, when he came out with the rock guitar on the, on the tank, I was kind of like, what the hell? And then it was cool. All right. You know, I, I dug it. Um, and then I, so I stopped. He won't stop playing that guitar though. And I don't understand what's the deal with the guitar personally, okay. but. Okay. Well, I, I, I saw the first Davros episode where like he's in the minefield, the, 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 the seeing eye minefield thing. Um, right. so I, I haven't watched beyond that. Dude, and I then, haven't gotten beyond the Christmas episode. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So. So I'm so I'm like so I'm kind of holding off, but I I totally dig Capaldi as the doctor. I do I'm, like Capaldi. I'm just not yeah. certain. Like I, I I'm starting to think they're putting me on with the guitar playing and the sonic sunglasses and stuff okay. like that. It's like okay, seriously, what did you do to All the right. screwdriver? Come on. Okay. Well, but other than that, but, I'm liking it. I like Capaldi a lot. So. All right. Okay. Well, we'll have to I'll have to see. I'll get back to you on that. I'll binge watch it and, and what try else? to get caught up. Um. There's a lot of shows I've been watching. I'm like, I'm not going to mention them all. I did go see Spectre. Did you like it? I did. Okay. Um, I know some I'm a, people. I'm a big fan of Daniel Craig as Bond. I love oh, yeah. Him. You know, but this one really felt like an older Bond movie where he's just sort of like following the little clues to go through to go through to find all this stuff and get to that guy at the end. Yeah, okay. Uh, Christoph Waltz I thought was really good. And he plays um, the bad guy, right? He's the bad guy. He's the, the leader of Spectre. And I know the old leader of Spectre, you know, you had Blofeld with the big scar yeah. and the fluffy right. cat and stuff like that. And this guy, they call it something. So this is some other dude. I'm watching it going, okay, so, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's, the, it's like the reboot. I mean, they're literally sure. going through. It's almost like sure. Star Trek. They're giving us right. the, the, the reboot, and you got the different characters, you know, same, similar stories, but not exactly worrying about it being the same. Right. I had a lot of fun with it. I know cool. I went with a buddy of mine from work, and we just sat there and, and just, you know. It, yeah, it's, it's, on our, it's on my list, dude. Yeah, it's chewing popcorn and having a good time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm a big time. I love the reboot of the, this version of Bond. I, I like do, too. The, he's way better. Yeah. Way, um, way, way better. And then I did get my tickets for Star Wars. Really? Oh, yeah. Why? Okay, so so explain to me, what, do you think, I mean, what what's the rationale? Why, why buy it so early? I mean, it's not like you're not going to get to see it. Oh, I know. I know. But here's the thing. First of all. Um, I got a lot of friends. I've got a friend who goes to every year goes to Star Wars Week at Disney World and goes to the conventions and stuff. Okay. And she's like, "Listen, we're getting tickets for the 17th and IMAX 3D. Okay. Are you okay. in?" And I'm like, "Sure, why not? Let's go." Okay. You know, it's just one of those things. I always go to see Star Wars sure. on opening day. I've gone to see Star Wars on opening. The only one I didn't see on opening day was mm -hmm. the original Star Wars, which. I remember my parents took me to go see it. The first time I saw it was like in a drive, the drive-in. Okay. Uh, that was the only one I didn't see on opening day. Like they always, they took me to see Empire Strikes Back on opening day. They took me to see Return of the Jedi on opening day. Okay, that's cool. I went Family to all tradition. of them on opening day, so I just did. 
And, uh, I mean, I, heck, when episode three came out, Harrison was in kindergarten. I took him out of school that day. I called in, <laughs> and we went and we played hooky, and we both went and sat on episode three. And when yeah. it ended, he was like, I loved it. I'm like, you want to see it again? He's like, yeah, when can we see it again? I'm like, well, just, just stay in your seat then. Right. And we sat there and watched it like two or three times that day. Like, he was just having a blast. Yeah. So that's that's what we do. You know, I, I even cool. told them, I'm going to probably come on, on the 18th. I'll probably take them. Because it's funny, because it opened on the 18th, and that's the last day of school before Christmas break. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I told them, uh, you know, when we get home, that that Christmas break starts by me taking them to go see Star Wars, whatever time is available. So very cool. Yeah, very so cool. we're having a good time with it. Yeah, that's my boys. Yeah, my boys are going to be camping out. Um, <laughs> I can't do it. I'm like, you know what, guys, go ahead, have fun, do it, and then I'm, I'll just wait it out. I just, I did it for episodes one through three. Like when it came out, I was like, I, I did that whole deal, and then and then um, yeah. So I'm super stoked. I, I I'm super stoked about it for sure. I, I think it's going to be fabulous. Have you seen the new Japanese trailer for it? Yeah, yeah. I like that tone of that trailer a lot better than the tone of the trailers we've seen here in the U.S. Yeah, it, it feels like if 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 that that setting and that tone and that seriousness, if Abrams brings that. To the to these, it's going to be what we all hoped the first three were. The the thing that's got me stoked is that Abrams, you know, the thing about J.J. Abrams is that he doesn't rely on computer CGI for his movies. You know, like in in Star Trek in the in the last Star Trek movie, the long the scene. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but the scene where um, uh, Simon Simon Pegg's character has to get in. He's he's hidden in the dreadnought, the really big ship, right? Right, right. And and there's that long hangar bay. Okay, right. they shot that in an actual hangar bay with no CGI. Right. It was it was right. all done with just lighting, and it had that realistic feel to it. It felt real. It wasn't fake. They you know they they pulled the guy who's at the control panel. They pulled him with wires. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. You know, that whole element, that the fact that he does real film filmmaking is what's got me so super stoked about what he's going to bring to the Star Wars. Oh, yeah. I agree. So that it feels lived in and it feels legit. And that's what, to me, has got me the most stoked about this is the fact that he's I'm, – I'm sad to actually see – actually, I'm sad because I'm one of those rare guys who I'm, I'm, I dig both, both – you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Trekkie and a Star Wars guy. And so for me, having him off of the Star Trek line is somewhat of a disappointment, but I'm also very, very excited at the same time. You and I are identical on this. I'm afraid to see what's going to happen with Star Trek 3 because it's not going to have that J.J. Abrams feel to it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, but man, they gave him Star Wars. I I know. I know. You can't really argue, right? Exactly. You got to be like, all right, that's cool. So what he's done so far has been fabulous. Yes, it has. All right, so let's move now. I, I put out a call for a little bit of a uh, mailbag uh, thing, as I said here. So uh, I took out I took all the questions, although I may I may a couple of them were a little long, uh, but I tried to I tried to keep everything that got asked. I, I got about uh, I don't know fifteen questions or so, and I didn't want to edit or get rid of any of them. So um, I'm just going to kind of roll through them and see what we've got. So. Uh, Let's see. Jamie Hill asks, uh, what's your greatest hope, top three, to come out for new models from GW this year, not Stormcast or Corn related? Mm. Um, I don't know. 
what my top three necessarily would be. I want to see some of those old, like we talked earlier. I'd like, I, you know, I always, I was saying I'm hoping that the medals, like they were holding off. I'd like yeah. to see Slayers. Okay. You know, my hope is because that that was the one thing in the whole dwarf line that stayed that didn't get a cha- that stayed as the old metal pieces was the Slayers. Yeah, right. They didn't get a new cast or a new sculpt. Um, and I have a feeling with these with all these fire dwarfs that they're talking about now in mm-hmm. the fluff, it's like mm-hmm. it sounds like half the dwarfs that survived. I mean, it's a Slayer army is what it sounds like. So I'm hoping to see that stuff. Um, but seeing the new Archeon, that was exactly the type of thing that I wanted to see, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily need a lot of new stuff in the armies as they're bringing these books out as long as, you know, just finishing off the lines. Um, I'm actually one of the few people who, although a new model for the Lizard or the Seraphon might've been nice, mm-hmm. but they did just come out. I know it was two years ago, but they they came out with a bunch of new stuff for them. Yeah. And as long as they don't wildly change the aesthetic and negate the old models, I'm happy, really, because... I think, I, to be honest with you, I, I saw some of those complaints on Twitter, and I think those are unwarranted. They, they got great new sculpts when the new book was released. They don't need any new arm. They didn't need any new sculpts. Not right now. No way. I mean, they've got so much stuff there, and it's all pretty good. I oh, mean, I hell can't, yeah. I mean, are there any really crummy models in that line that I, I can't think of any? No, I mean maybe Tehenawan was kind of crappy looking, but you know he's so what he's gone. So right. I mean, you I know. mean maybe the what is it the razor the thing that's not the salamander. Yeah, the razor. I've always liked that model. I don't dislike it, but that's the one. Those are the those were the two that were still in metal, weren't they? they yeah, didn't get a new plastic sculpt, or did they? No, I, no, they didn't. But the rule the rules for the razor don always sucked. That's the problem. Oh. It it's just, a, I, I thought it was a cool looking model though. I was yeah. like, but so I um, just I just want to see the last few, you know, the medals. Maybe <laughs> you know, the I just I'm hoping they were planning something for those, and it looks like with the release of that Archeon that maybe they were. So that's <laughs> my big hope is just to see, you know, where they come with this other stuff. If, if it, you know, I doubt I doubt it's going to be all repackaging for the next year and a half or whatever. So. Yeah, we'll see what comes out. I just I hope those last few medals that they had that's, that that's what was in their back pocket that they were holding. So, okay, that's yeah. mine. Did you have anything? I yeah. First thing that comes to mind for me are the the brats. <laughs> um, I would love to see them do something with the brats. Anything really. Um, I think with what they're doing, I think like you know the the pegs um, would right. have been cool. Anything Brett wise would have been nice to have seen, and then um, um, my second one would be um, the um, going back to Lizardmen. Actually, um, I would have liked to have seen Cold One uh, updates. Um, you know, the Cold One riot, the Cold Ones for Dark Elves are so amazingly dynamic, and oh, they just look they just look so cool. And, that's true. Uh, I didn't think about that. And the ones, the original Lizardmen. Uh, cold ones are these big, chunky, lame-looking. Um, are they raptors. still the pot-bellied ones? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's. I didn't even think about that. Those, those, those would have been nice to have seen yeah. a new sculpt. If they were going to do a new sculpt, that would have been the one to do. I think you're right. right. And then um, my my last one, I think, would have been. Um, I would have liked to have seen 
a new sculpt on uh, it's it's my my army. Um, I would have liked to seen a new sculpt on uh, Globadiers um, for the Skaven. Oh, uh, are they still metal too? Yeah, they're still metal, and there's only there's only two poses. And yeah. um, I just think the the aesthetic of them and the way they look, the steampunkiness of them, I would have really loved to have seen something done with them. So those are my three. Okay. And then Mike Hacks, that big Mike, just, just uh, underneath that one put in, and why is it dwarfs? <laughs> and I know he means dwarfs as opposed to dwarves because dwarves is, is correct. But uh, my answer to is um, it's not dwarfs. It's Dwarden. So that's there my, there's my answer. Don't worry yeah. about that anymore. Yeah. I don't have a hate against them, so I'll go either way. Yeah. I Easy. don't. I don't either. Yeah. Let's see. Tom Lambert asks, hi, Dave. Uh, questions on the theme of rebasing. Have I started? <laughs> Barely. Let's leave it at that. Um, the stuff that I am going to be rebasing, oh, I'm doing the custom ones for the dwarfs. Mm-hmm. And for the undead, a lot of that stuff, uh, I've, I'm not rebasing my zombies. I'm just doing new ones. Okay. And uh, Mantic makes the 25 mil round bases to put your, because you know how the Mantic models come with the, the model itself has, is on a little bit of a round right. thing that goes in the base. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're... 25 mil round bases basically went out of stock, I think, about 25 minutes after AOS came out and people realized that all their Mantic models needed to go under round bases if they were <laughs> going to stay for AOS. Yeah. And they just got them back in stock. So as soon as my FLGS gets gets them in, I told them to order me uh, the 100 pack. I told them to order two or three of those 100 packs for me and I can get started on my zombies and ghouls. Um, cool. But as far as rebasing, I'd never finished basing the dwarf for real because I was making those custom ones, and then it changed. So I'll be basing them round as well. Yeah. Uh, will you only be putting certain armies to rounds uh, to save some for Kings of War and Eighth? Uh, I don't play Eighth, and uh, I've got an army for Kings of War, and I've got a lot of Kings of War models. Like I have the Kings of War skeletons and the King. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm going to rebase my GW skeletons for. Age of Sigmar and just leave the Kings of War stuff. So I don't really need to leave too much for Kings of War. A lot of right. it I already have. Very cool. Um, what about you? Are you you're rebasing the rats and hats, aren't you? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I came to that realization actually today. I posted on Twitter that it, the time has come. Um, yeah, I'm going to rebase um, all my GW armies are going to get rebased to rounds. So the Wood Elves, the Skaven, the Bretonians, everybody is going to get rebased to rounds. Um, I just have yet to decide what and how I'm going to do it. You know, my armies, for those of you who have seen my armies, have very extensive detailed basing. Um, so to do that uh, is going to require some some good thought. I'm hoping that maybe I can uh, wane... One of our one of your one of the show sponsors from TC War Room, Wayne Barry, has started to make um, uh, round uh, that you can insert your squares into. Um, yes, uh, out of MDF. So he's going to be sending me some cavalry ones that I'm going to give a shot with my custom uh, Wild Riders that are riding those Space Marine Thunderwolves. Oh, so you're going to redo your cavalry. In the ovals with, with, with the, those to see if it works, right? Yeah, um, I saw Hastings did that because his yeah. Orctonians, he's like, yeah, I think that would have crushed his soul to have to redo that. 
Yeah, well, the, the rats enhanced, it's going to crush my soul. I mean, we're talking 400 models. May I make a suggestion? Yeah. You've got a lot of your basic, you know, your infantry rats. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this with the zombies, you know, like I had I had done up a list. Uh, it was a list. Um, I can get 40 zombies in a unit with the comp. Right. That's max. And so I had three units of 40 on the table when I played Ask Gonzalez. And it takes so long to move that many models yeah. with that much stuff. No. Um, I would say rebase as much as you need to play at first. Right. You know, just of the of the of your of your infantry basic rats, and then do all your other other stuff, um, and then wait before you. You know what I'm saying? Just yeah, totally. only do as many rats as you need because if you're anything like me, you know, you have 200 rats, like I have 200 zombies, and you probably yeah. won't need 200 rats on the table. Right. Right. So and, do and, all the other stuff first, and then do as many rats as you need, and then you can be like, Wee, and then you can save the other ones if you ever play Kings of War or whatever. But. Right. Well, Kings of War, I have an answer to that. Um, so none of my GW models are um, going to be used in Kings of War if I play, if I play Kings of War. Um, what happened at Bits this year, I won uh, best, uh, best Army. Right, and I was, and I got a Kings of War dwarf army box. So I'm gonna make that my Kings of War army and just play dwarves. Believe it or not, (laughs) yeah. So why bother, you know, keeping something um, for that? Like they're they've done the lists for the armies, the other armies that they don't Mm -hmm. do, and the rats is one of them. So if you wanted to play rats, you could. Yeah, I could, but it would break my heart to put a doom wheel up there and not have it be a doom wheel or the scurvy ah, keel not be the scurvy keel. I invested way too much of my life in hobby and hours <laughs> the- theming that army around the world that is no more. So I, I, I it took, it took, I mean, I, I didn't make the final decision till today. So where are we? We're, we're sitting here November 7th and Age of Sigmar dropped back yeah, on July ago. 4th. Yeah. So. So it took that long for me to finally come to that to, to that conclusion. Um, and then um, I think he also asked about, is it going to be frowned upon at tournaments? Yeah. And How long it, before it's frowned upon at tournaments? Uh, if we run AOS in 2017, it'll be frowned upon. So, you know, we're, we're letting legacy bases in for 2016. I think that a year later, I think then it'll be frowned upon. Yeah, I do. Yeah, um, I got a feel. I know everybody says bases don't matter, but as soon as you make, yeah. I mean, everybody has also said, well, we're measuring base to base, and it does kind of matter because people. Hell are really, yeah! Yeah, I mean. Yeah, definitely, it definitely matters, man. I mean, if I put if I put all my cavalry on the pill shape bases versus your oval bases, my cavalry is going to get more attacks than your ovals. Yeah. Okay, and then if I leave all my rats on my twenty mil bases, I'm going to get way more attacks. I mean, imagine plague monks in AOS. On twenty mil bases, oh yeah. Getting, I mean, it's they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna beat oh, face. I noticed that with the zombies, you just block yes. them in, and you can you can make you. I can get you can, more three guys in. can exactly. Attack. Yeah, I mean, you're getting it in there. You can because you're within one inch. You know, you measure those two up, and it's one inch. You're boom. You're done. You're you're getting more guys in. So there is a tactical advantage to being on legacy bases. And for tournaments, you're going to have to measure base to base. So I think it's going to get eventually. You're going to see tournaments saying, "Okay, yeah, you're going to have to be on rounds." And what size rounds? I mean, that's the one. I think, I think, I think GW should make a ruling on that, and it would be nice if they did. Um, but um, I think that eventually, yeah, you're going to we're going to see tournaments but starting. Here's to the thing: 
Yeah, All the new sets are coming out with mm -hmm. round bases. Eventually, I, I really, I truly believe in my heart that once they convert up all the old models and stuff, um, you're going to see them go to, you, you have to use the bases that are supplied, the, the, those yeah, bases. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, hold on one sec. Give me one second. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. Um, so I, I think eventually it will be frowned upon, and that, that will be the way it goes. So let's jump to the, another question. Uh, let's see. What other game systems not exactly mainstreamed have you looked at, like, for example, Frostgrave, which is skirmish fantasy, or any non-fantasy games you might give a try? Um, non-fantasy, I mean, I play with Malifaux. I play with... A little bit of Wrath of Kings I'm starting. Um, I guess I'm more in the fantasy league. I mean, I like the 40K and 30K stuff. I just don't really play. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I keep hearing about Frostgrave. I'm not all, I mean, I'm just like, I don't know. You know, I just, I don't have space for another game right now. Like, I've got the games I like, and I've sold off so much stuff in the last few months. That buying into another game when I've still got... I mean, I've played a little Dead Zone from Mantic. I like that. Mm -hmm. The sci-fi skirmish. Mm -hmm. um, I've got Star Wars. You know, it's like, I don't I don't know if I necessarily want to bring another game into my into the fold. But, you know, I've got all these things I'm already playing and enjoying, so... Right. Yeah. What about you? Any, any? Well, you, you're the same way. You were talking about what you like to play. Already. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, just about every game. The only game you didn't mention that I'm uh, starting to dabble in is War Machine Hordes. So, That's um, right. you know, for me, and oh, the other game you didn't mention was Infinity. Um, so oh, yeah, Infinity, duh. Infinity. Um, so for me, it's 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 really those those games. I'm I'm not going down any more exploration like I, I i kind of flirted with the idea of wild west exodus but i i don't like the aesthetic as much as i like malifo um so i'm going i'm going to stick with malifo um i like wild west exodus there's not anybody in the immediate area playing it and i kind of wish there were because harrison loves the aesthetic mm -hmm. but he doesn't have time to learn another system he's playing aos and He's basically like, Dad, I love it. I love AOS. That's my game. I'm like, really? He's like, I'm like, what happened to you wanted to be Jesse James? He's like, Dad, I understand AOS right now. I got it. I play it. He's like, there's cool tactics. I learn more every time I play, but we don't have to look up rules every 10 minutes. My friends can come over. We could play for an hour or so and not have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. He's like, forget it. That's my jam. So, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. The, other, the other game, Dave, that I didn't mention was Saga. Um, that's one I'm really interested in. Yeah, I I'm struggling like you with the Wild West Exodus down here. There's nobody really wanting to to jump in. I have a I have an entire Viking army, and I'm supposed to play at Paca in the team tournament. So I got to get those guys painted up. But um, I've played a couple of games of Saga, and I really I really dig it. Um, I like the mechanics, and um, it's not you know a lot of people call it historicals. It's not. I mean, like my Vikings on their on their board, I've got powers of thor and powers of loki so it's not a it's it, it's kind of got a fantasy flavor to it but it's rooted in um in these like um more you know historical looking models if you will right um and 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 one of your sponsors mersha uh miniatures is coming out with some lines 
of uh, in their, their their most recent Kickstarter that would you know fit perfectly into that game too. So if people don't like the you know the um, gripping beast line or the old foundry lines, these new lines that uh, that that Mersh is coming out with would fit in perfectly for for um for makes amazing models. Oh, <laughs> they really do. Without a doubt. Yeah. In fact, uh, they're they're I've I. Their game is so damn complex. I have, I mean, I, I love it, but it's like I can never quite figure it out. I love. I haven't been able to either. Maybe we can get together and try and teach each other the game because I look at it and I'm like, what? Because I've got, and I've still got, I've still got store credit because they're sponsors, and I've got store credit, and I want to order up the rest. I've got the, and I can never remember the name of the armies, but it's basically the Beastmen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I'm not a huge Beastmen fan, but uh, they sent me some as a sample to to, to kind of sure. look at with me. And yeah. Chris, you had already had some of the Yisian, the things you know, with the because yeah. he had the one that has the one that looks like a Slanesh. Yeah, the demon, or, the the woman, the, right. the tall. Yeah. So yeah. he had more of that stuff. Uh huh. And then they yeah. sent this Beastmen stuff. I'm like, God, these are gorgeous. I'm like, this is my uh-huh. jam. I'm taking <laughs> this. I got I got a giant. I got right. the manicure. I'm like, oh, I love, the, I love the aesthetic. Yeah. If I could figure out that damn rule book, I would play that probably a lot more. Yeah, I'm, Saga, I'm, I'm in the same same way. Feel the same way about that game. Saga is a game that I never really felt all that interested in, and I, I still look at it and it's like I'm kind of interested. I'm kind of on the fence about it. The thing that draws me to Saga is that the guys I know who play it a lot are mm-hmm. a lot, like a lot of the Minnesota guys, the ones I know who play it a lot, mm-hmm. and I just I. It's like, wow, this is a group of guys that I just really love, and they all say this is a great game. So that that just interested in me at right in right there. Yeah, right, it was totally. Like that that particular group of guys I love gaming with. And yeah, Hagen and Bruins and and yeah. Mikey G. Yeah, all those guys. Yeah, Bruins, Mikey. Yeah. So it's like, well, if these guys all say it's that great, it is. You know, and it I actually is. It's just it's like people whose whose opinions on games I really respect. Yeah. And they want to play it, so I'm like, oh, okay. That yeah, there's, it's it's shot. really it's 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 easy to learn, okay, and it's very it's actually quite tactically deep. Yeah, so it really, that's what it I'm really hearing, is. So yeah, all right, let's move along with this. I want to get these through. We may have to take a break and finish these up, but I'll see. Uh, all of my army is on square, and any new things will be put on square. As bases don't matter. I prefer the look. I think of Napoleonic Roman battles. I deploy ranked, but when in combat, move is needed. Do you know of others like me that love AOS but are sticking with square? Um, no. <laughs> like mm. nobody I know personally is sticking with square. Like I mean, they're using them now, but they're eventually planning on on changing it over. Um, okay. Mine are uh, our club. They're not changing them over. Oh, they're so. not. So then you, yeah, okay. I'll be the I'll be the anomaly probably. Okay. And now yeah. is that because they still want to have options to play ninth age and eighth and a half or whatever it is, or it's the work? Oh, it's the work. Okay, it is. I mean, it is a lot of work. But honestly, it's the weirdest thing. I love rank and flank. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I was a square baser all the way because I like how they look when they line up. But sure. the round base individual models are nicer looking models. Definitely, they, the Skaven. The Skaven looked amazing when yeah. they're on round bases. And so, do the, so do the wood elves. The wood elves look oh, just yeah. amazing. So, they, me yeah. personally, I'm just I, I like the aesthetic, and I'm going with the aesthetic that I like. Um, plus, really, when they move in there, it really actual gameplay wise, it works better. It's easier with the rounds. It really is. 
It so, is 100%. That's why I'm going with that. Uh, next question. Will Stevens, uh, when are you going to stop covering AOS and move on to an actual game, or are you just <laughs> going to wait until it fails and GW serves up the next thing for you to cover? Yes, I'm just going to wait till it fails and GW serves up the next thing for me to cover. Thank you, Will. Um, oh, hold on. I predict it will not fail. Well, I was talking about this today on Twitter. With I wasn't actually talking about I was reading the thread. Here's the thing. The models are nice. And someone had mentioned if absolutely nobody plays Age of Sigmar, but people keep buying the models, whether it be for other games. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, a lot of people are sitting there now. You'll hear Mantic podcasts where people are like, well, I really need to start buying Mantic models because I play their game. I should give them some money. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I and I have no beef with that. In fact, I kind of agree with that. That's my plan. If I want to play another AOS army, I've got a starter dwarf army like you do. Yep. My dwarfs are going on rounds. I play undead. I've got a lot of undead on square bases that I play for Kings of War. If I want to go into a new Kings of War army, I will buy it from Mantic. It's cheap enough that I could buy an army for 150 bucks, a full-on army. Sure. So that's what I will do. Yeah. Um, as far as this goes, as long as people are buying the models, because not everybody likes that aesthetic, or people like to buy models to play them, or just, you know, right. as long as they sell models, it really doesn't matter if anybody plays the game. So I don't see it no. flopping, because the models are pretty sharp, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, once again, I'm covering this because I like it. And GW is not a stupid company. This company makes a lot of money. A lot of money, and they don't make decisions rashly. Um, this plan was in the works a long time ago, and yep. and anybody who thinks that this was an irrational decision is somebody who just doesn't understand business. This is something that they had been planning for a long time. It takes years of development. Um, it takes to develop the models. They don't develop the models in a week and right. get them vetted and say, "Okay, we're done." They go through design after design after design, and the level and the amount of engineering that's involved to make sure that when they when they mold these, that they have minimal mold lines, that they can hide mold lines. I, come on, I mean that's just a naive point of view. They're and they're in, I I think they're in it, and and will the rules evolve? Yeah, perhaps, for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not it's not going away, and and just locally. I've talked to several stores locally that say that they've sold, they've sold more Age of Sigmar in the last four months than they sold in their entire store's existence of selling fantasy. So, see, and you hear that in some places, and I've also heard from other places the exact opposite too. That nothing's moving. They've sold one box set of Age of Sigmar. Blah blah blah. It's going to die any minute. So, I mean, it depends on where you're at and what's going on. But I mean, true, true. I I just. Like I said, I, I think this will do well. I think people are going to come back. I think people are going to buy it if, you know. Dude, there's people who are buying the models just to paint them. Sure they are. They're the best models. They make the best models out there. Yeah. Bar, bar so I don't, I don't see it flopping anytime soon. And like I said, I am going to cover this as long as it interests me, basically. And right now with these books coming, I have, I have to read faster. Like I'm, I'm getting annoyed with work because I am ta- I'm like I'm literally sitting here going, oh, I need to grade these papers, but that's taking away time from me reading the fluff from all these books, and <laughs> this is where my life is at right now because there's so much they've put out. Talk about putting out a book. I mean, the battle tomes. There's a lot of fluff. If you're into the fluff, 
which is I think most of the people who who have stuck with Age of Sigmar are people who like they've got the models they like the aesthetic they're giving it this chance and they're reading this story and they're watching it unfold like you said they got it on the on the ground floor here Mm -hmm. um they're just pouring it out and it's decent stuff so right i mean heck i've got like what three fiction books i got two fiction books left to cover one major uh the the gal book you know the 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 big book and then uh three battle tomes and i even picked up the one for the with the the chaos dreadhold just to mm-hmm. see the rules for the terrain and see any of the fluff background on that. Mm-hmm. There's so much stuff in all of these books. I got plenty of, to do. I ain't going anywhere with this. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wrote those books in just a week, Dave. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, let's do one more and then take a quick break. Uh, Robert Glade, uh, I think it's Glade. Uh, I'm the type of guy who tries to connect the dots. I was wondering if you think a black cube destroyed the Warhammer world. I listened to your Legion. Co- oh, he's talking from 40K with the crossover. Uh, he listened to our coverage of the book Legion by Dan Abnett, and okay. with the hotness of GW connecting fantasy and, G- and 40K, the blood ritual in Legion sounds a whole lot like what Archaon did in the end times. What are your thoughts, dude? I don't know if I knew that kind of stuff. I'd work for the co- I'd work for Black <laughs> Library. Um, it's not a bad concept, except uh, uh, if the Black Cube is only a figurative cube because he unearthed an orb. But if the black cube could be a black sphere, then it totally could be what this thing sounded like on this uh, in this book. And if you haven't heard it, then you can listen to our coverage of the book Legion on After Ulinor, which you can get on iTunes or you can get on the Garage Hammer site, which is up and running, which we have to bring that up, by the way, but that's in a question here. Um, oh, you, know, you give this really... Uh, gonna go yeah you know what we'll come back let's take a quick break and come back folks it's dave are you looking for that special model to add to your army a monstrous creature or maybe a character model something unusual that not everybody else is fielding on their table well then you should check out mirce miniatures at mirceminiatures.com their darklands line is full of some of the most fantastic creature models you'll ever see and with the success of their recent kickstarter Those models will be perfect for you to play in their forthcoming Darklands game. So whether you're looking for a new skirmish level game to play with lots of cool monstrous creatures, or you're just looking for that extra special model to add to your existing games line, Mirce Miniatures is really worth your time. Check them out at Mirce-Miniatures.com and seriously guys, you'll be glad you did.
We are back. Let's see. Back with more questions. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing great. Hanging in there. Got some more H2O to keep the pipes sounding right. Your dulcet tones and you, how how the mold lines coming on your uh, on oh, your uh, Wrath of Kings models. They suck, dude. It's <laughs> it's just makes me long for working on GW stuff. <laughs> Oh my god, it's horrible. You get a little spoiled. Say what you want, but the the, the lack of visible mold lines on most of those GW models oh is, you know, it's it's like when everything went to plastic and even to fine cast, and you just kind of forgot what it was like to work with metals. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you got a bunch of metals, and you're like, oh, yeah, I yeah, exactly. I, I I missed this really. Right, 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 right. Well, I can tell you one thing: uh, working on Infinity models. Oh God. It's torture. It's it, for me. It's torture. Really? I, I, yeah. I. I mean, the. Uh, it, it, the, the scale. I, I don't understand why they don't make them in plastic. It just doesn't make any sense. The it, infinity it, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes no sense why they just keep doing it. In, I mean, in metal, it can't be cheaper, right? It's got to be. I don't know. All I know is they are a pain to put together. They are so uh. fiddly. They. They are ser- they are the worst to put together. I mean, once they're together, they're nice. Sure, but but uh, no, it's it's brutal. I'm not uh, that, and you know the Malifaux stuff that used to be in metal was brutal too. Right. Well, the new Malifaux in plastic is great, except for the stuff like when they have like the little mini tiny face piece that has to be put on. Where you're well, like, why was that actually yeah. a separate piece? Yeah, like on the on the little Nephilims, the little like tiny little immature wings, like the young Nephilim. Right. For the Lilith box, it's like, what's the point of that? Now I have to green stuff little hair on there because there's a little mold line because I'm a dork and I can't let that go. <laughs> see, I'm obsessive see, compulsive. I'm I'm actually a bad hobbyist in that in that if if it's really horrible like that, I'm not I'm just not gonna win any painting awards anyway. And at some point I just get mad and say, Screw it. Like even Mantic's got some mold lines. Um, the ghouls, I didn't worry about the mold lines running down like the the, the clothes and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I had all those bald heads with that mold line running from the left side of the neck around the head to the right side of the neck. Yeah, but they were bald, so it was one quick and the, that got. I cleaned up all of those on every model. But if it was in weird spots, I was just like, you know what? I don't care. I, <laughs> I mean, it's a horrible thing because it, 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 you, you see the mold lines, you're like, oh, those mold lines. I mean, I've shown people models, and it's like, well, it's amazing. Why didn't you clean those mold lines? And I'm just like, you know what, because it got frustrating, and I just said, screw it. Yeah. Well, my, like with the Infinity stuff, like you spend so much time making sure the lines are clean. And, and you know, because it's, you know, it's not one of these – it's not a, a world where you – paint the base colors and then just throw a wash on it and you know like they can be grimy and you know you want nice clean looking anime style right yeah it's and that then, bright and crisp then, future to look yeah right. and then and then you spend all this time painting this beautiful thing up and then it you you don't drop it on the floor you just kind of like tip it over on your hobby table and the arms just snaps off and there's no way to pin it and you're just like oh my gosh so it's just make it Corvus belly. If you're listening, start doing plastics for crying out loud. It would be nice. Um, oh gosh, be so much yeah. nicer. No, it's but yeah. But Wrath of Kings though, they're, they're mold lines. They definitely need to improve that. Cool. Mini needs to improve that for sure. Yeah. 
So you asked. There you go. There you so go. The- <laughs> All right. Let's see. Uh, what's the next question? I was on a huge AOS kick buying up everything I saw and honest to God trying to paint it all, but Plastic Horus Heresies coming out. Will Garage Hammer Podcast forgive a relapse back into the grim darkness of the far future from Alexander Jones? Hey, dude, paint what you want. I think I've said that all the time on this show. Christopher, Christopher always said he was a game whore. He had a, him and Warhammer had an understanding. He could go play any other thing he wanted. So that's, uh, yeah, you, as long as you're doing something, you just yeah. keep doing it, man. You know, as yeah. long as you don't stop, then that's golden. That's my opinion. I I think you agree, Steve. Totally. Last two days I've been playing Star Wars with my twelve year old. I'm playing X Wing. Haven't touched it in four months. All of a sudden he's like, Hey, let's play X Wing. Hey, all right, great. Exactly. Hey, my kid wants to play the game, let's play. Yeah. You want to do the horror series? Do it. Oh yeah. Okay, so what we got? Uh Rich Stress Rich Streska? Rich Straska? How do you justify going from the king of no comp to being pro comp basically overnight? <laughs> oh, come on, dude. All right. Uh, you know what? Hey, no, I'll I'll explain this. You know what? Um you know, I've I was the I was a no comp uh champion because I didn't think eighth ed needed comp. I think if you could follow the rule of don't be a d- <laughs> if you could if you could just incorporate that into your gameplay in all walks of gameplay, then eighth didn't need much comp. I didn't think you need any comp because, yes, you could find the broken combos and you could do your thing. But if, you know, if as long as you sort of stayed away from doing that, I mean, there were people who who, who do that. They take the hardest nails list, and and you know, I mean, we at least in the Midwest, we were fine with that as long as you were a friendly player. I mean, we knew the people with the hardest nails list were the really competitive ones. They were usually winding up at the top tails playing other hardest nails players. Who liked that style of play? And the rest of us floated around in the middle and at the bottoms and just had a good sure. time with our stuff. And we didn't have an issue with that. Um, you know, and for the people who sat around and, and say things like, well, yeah, but then you've got a 100-man tournament, but you're really it's only about a 20-man tournament because those are the only guys who are taking it really seriously. I say BS. I take it just as seriously as anybody, but I'm going to I'm gonna play it my way. I'm going to the things I like and have the, the way I see. Hey, I'm playing the game the way I have fun with it. Don't tell me I'm having wrong fun. Right. You know? we, okay. Okay. So when you're, in, when you're in your basement, okay, and you're not in a tournament environment, you're not paying $55 to go play in a tournament or you're not traveling, spending hundreds and hun- uh, you know, a couple hundred dollars on a hotel room. And then you're spending a few hundred dollars in food. Uh, to expect to just be like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna have this tournament, we're gonna run no comp. I don't think that that's necessarily fair. You you you, you kind of well for said we did, and we I mean well kind kind of Dave, but there was always some kind of comp. A well, there were scenarios and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah there was they would put scores. in something. They would put they would put some type of comp in in some place. They would they would veil it. Not speaking from a TO, okay. So right. from both sides, okay. So like my first tournament, I put player judged comp in, right? And yeah, I mean, so I that to sort use, of too, yeah. I wanted to use that as a way to kind of like say to the community, okay, don't bring, you know, don't be a tool, don't be an asshat, don't you know, and right. And then so for bits this year, right? I bring storm fiends and i went one and four 
Okay, I got my butt kicked in four games. My Storm <laughs> Fiends didn't do squat, but my comp score was crap because I brought Storm Fiends. Uh, I see. You know what I mean? So it's like, I mean, comp, comp's there, and, and, and it's there. Yeah, I mean, it's there, but I mean, just, I mean, I, I guess I go as far as, you know, I mean, well, I've been saying it's okay, you know, with, with the comp, with people rewriting. I think I, I guess I was focusing more along the lines of rules rewriting, you know, oh. or... or mm. Okay. Rules okay. adjusting, which I never really cared for that, like the ETC comp and the stuff like yeah. that, where they're telling you, where they're actually going in and saying, we're going to change these rules right. to fit it to be more competitive and more streamlined and whatever. I never, I never jived with that. I didn't like it. You yeah. know, it's, it's. I hated, I hated playing ETC at the Masters. I didn't like it at all. And it's one of the reasons that I mean, not not that I would have ever qualified for the Masters, but it's one of the reasons when I talked to Jerry, I said, dude, I gotta. I got to bow out for being part of this. I can't deal with this because this is not this is not my idea of fun. Right. And I'm no, not, and if that's totally. if that's their idea of fun, hey, go play, yeah. have a great time. I just don't I don't personally want to be involved in it. Um, but this game obviously they just gave you a framework and said, "Listen, you need to have this." So if you want it to be I think you could play eighth ed out of the book competitively as long as you've got a community that that has a, as that sort of I mean we all just kind of you know kind of I mean, policed well, each other listen don't go don't go out of the don't lose your brain here you talking to that or you talking Sigmar I'm talking a Ed. okay Sigmar you can't I mean just out of the book I don't you I don't know if you, I think you could I mean I think the more it would take I play way it, too long at the start of each game if you literally played it right out of the book just brought your whole army looked at what they did did that stuff I mean you have to comp it you have to I mean if for not if nothing else, the measuring base to base, the yeah, the yeah. the, oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. no putting out two models, you know, because seriously, you could literally Something. put out the Nagash model and shoot. Okay, you outnumber me, I choose kill, assassinate your general, right. and then Nagash points his finger and I win. That's not a fun game for anybody, but you could do that. Yeah, and true. people who just want to win, true. you know, that would show up. I mean, hell, how many Nagashes and Carl Franzes showed up at Wapaka last year? Yeah, right. You know right. what I'm saying? If it if you can, you will. This game is a framework, and if you want to be competitive, you need yeah. a, a, a little bit of a little bit of a tighter frame, at least to get everybody to a point where you know it's it it, it will be competitive, even if people want to bring tough stuff. And to be honest, GW's never been about tournaments. Well, they used to be, but not for not a good decade. Competitive, not like you know, not crazy competitive tournaments, though. No, not yeah. And, you know, not, oh. not not like what we have had with Eighth Edition. I no, mean, and definitely not like you see with other places. Not like you see with uh, Privateer Press and things like that. So, <laughs> Death Clock. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that's basically that. I mean, just you know, once again. Play what you like. I I happen to like Age of Sigmar as long as you know you 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 set a few ground rules. Um, I think you're right. I think in 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 the basement or in the garage you could just play. Heck, like I said, Harrison's uh, Games Club. They pretty much play. They don't have no comp. They play at. After, <laughs> there's a couple of kids who play. They bring their stuff and they play Age of Sigmar at Games Club. But they have they have small forces. They play like one hour games. <laughs> And they just play with the straight up rules. When I showed them the comp stuff that we were going to be doing 
for uh, the Clash Comp when we were going to be playing at UGG. They were like, wow, this is pretty cool, but they had never even seen it. And they loved sure. the game because they were playing two friends. They knew what the other guys had. They came up with some ideas, and they played story games, and they weren't worried about you know, going into that competition. I just think with the competition... Mm-hmm. You need that, so let's uh, let's. Uh, yeah, I guess so. So, well, I guess we should move along. We got a few more here. I want to kind of keep going through these. Um, okay. Um, now we've got one here from Carl uh, Breakspear, and he started listening at episode one hundred and five, and he was asking how I got in the hobby and why we we get into podcasting. A lot of this stuff is in the older episodes, and while I would never tell anyone to go listen to anything before episode like 20 or 25, <laughs> it's in there. And the episode's already running long with the questions, so I just kind of want to jump through. So, Carl, I'll have to answer that at another time. Um, what's your favorite thing about doing the show and what keeps you going from Jake Harris? Oh, one of the Jakes. Um my favorite thing about doing the show is just it's it's kind of it's it's what got me in touch with the greater Warhammer community. It's what keeps me in touch with the greater Warhammer community. That and I have an eagle the size of Cleveland, and I just like being <laughs> uh, you know, hey, it's my show. I got a I got a microphone. People listen to me. You know, it, it, people actually pay attention to what I'm saying, which I still <laughs> don't understand. It's like I don't really win too many things, and I don't paint that much, and I just get on here and talk about how much I like to read these books, and people still listen to me. So, I, the, I honestly, my favorite thing about doing the show is knowing that people are listening. I love doing this because I know there's people who listen and who enjoy it, and as long as that's going on, that's what keeps me going. So, all right, let's see what's the next. Uh, Jason really enjoy the show, especially recent episodes exploring other games. My question is about AOS lore. I've been trying to keep up. During the end times, it didn't seem like very many denizens of the old world had any way to survive the apocalypse. Has it been explained how they are all, that all the races that we already know are in the new realm? Um, not quite yet, no. I'm, I, I, honestly, I don't have an answer for that. Um, and you've been reading it, too. You haven't found any answers to that, have you, Stephen? No. Um, I think they're out there, though. I mean, I think that stuff's coming. But... It's coming. I mean, you know, but we've seen the tree. We've seen the tree spirits. We've seen it's coming. We're, we now with the lizards. It's going to be interesting to see what what's next. It's it's, it's coming. Yeah. Let's see. Um, Chris Kapsner, are you going to do episodes dedicated to Kings of War? Uh, I don't like Age of Sigmar. It doesn't scratch my itch. Kings of War is my future. I know Mantic's a sponsor. Are you going to do any episodes dedicated to just that? Um, I don't know. Um, I'm not doing the Garage Gamers. And basically, as as I said a few episodes back, um, I got health issues that are keeping me, that are taking up some of my, my time. And so the free time I had to do outside episodes for other games is gone. So any other games I cover would have to be covered in the main show, which I will cover some stuff eventually, you know, if we're playing or things we're doing. Or, But uh, there, I've, like I said, I've got so much to cover with AOS right now that that's all I've got time for. Um, plus, honestly, if you want to listen to stuff about Kings of War, um, like 90% of the uh, Warhammer podcasts all decided to be quitters and go to cover Age of Sigmar anyway, um, you know. Uh, let's face it. I mean, Countercharge. Rob Fanouf puts out an episode every three and a half hours. So, <laughs> if, if you want, I mean, he's all over Twitter promoting it too. Oh, I know, and I mean, God love him, but 
damn. It's like, do you, don't you have a job? Like, I mean, he's literally, <laughs> like, almost every day an episode drops, it seems like. It's like, wow, okay. So, um, you know, there's so much else out there. Um, there's not, I don't know exactly what I would bring to the table just doing a, just doing an episode. Um, I will, I mean, I'll have guys on and I have guys on to talk about stuff and whenever King, when, uh, especially if man, I'll do Mantic episodes, especially if they're doing Kickstarters or new things like that, because they're friends of the show and they're sponsors and I want to promote what they're doing. But right now, just to talk Kings of War, you know, there's so much else out there. So I, I, I just don't know. I mean, I will eventually. I just right now my my uh, I've got like the next three months of episodes already sort of planned out and booked. So uh, <laughs> Arden Bartlett says, since the site got hacked, is the painting contest over? Okay, no, it's not. Uh, this is an important question. We have two contests going on, and uh, we lost the forums. Um. Steve, you heard about this, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, some a-holes decided to go in and, and hack our site. Um, it was a WordPress hack, so they're just hacking tons of sites to do whatever it is that they do. And uh, it would have taken forever to get the forums. I don't know if we could have gotten the forums back without putting in way more work than than it was worth. You know, Daniel's time and finances and things like that. Um, I'm pretty certain we're going to have a new forums put together and set up by the end of the year. Um, And so I've come to a decision. So for people who were doing the, here's what I'm going to have to do. And this is all I can do. I've got you guys on the honor system. People who have been putting up their stuff every month, honestly, and, and, and I know who some of you are, but I can't, once again, I lost all that. So what I'm going to do is, the contest is over at the end of January. That was the plan. You had to post by, you know, the end of January. And beginning of February, we'd start looking at them all and, and sort of judging. And, and a lot of the prizes were going to be random anyway. Um, so people who have been in on it from the beginning and have been putting their stuff in, um, just keep taking pictures of your stuff. What we're going to do is right at the end of the year, if the forums are back up, I'm just going to have you post just up-to-date stuff and not worry about the month-to-month anymore. Uh, if it doesn't wind up getting back up in time, then I'm just going to have you go post all post your finished pictures on the Facebook page. You know, and that'll just be they'll all be listed there. Uh, I'll have you email me a copy as well, so I make sure everybody's name is entered in the contest. Basically, if you've been doing it and pa- doing your painting and all the stuff that you said you're going to be doing up to this point, um, dude, it's like two months away. I wouldn't kill the contest. You just, I'm, I'm going on the honor system to get entered into the contest to win stuff. Just when it's all done, send a picture. Send one to garagehammerlive.com. And then uh, as we get closer to the very end of the contest, I will either have a forum ready or I will just have you put it up on Facebook and then we'll do it that way. Uh, and thanks to all the people who stuck with it. Um, you know, when Age of Sigmar dropped, everyone said, wow, the basing thing got changed and the points thing dropped. What do we do? And I just basically said, listen, paint what you want to paint. Keep doing a unit a month or whatever you're doing. Um, just keep painting and we'll just count it. So I don't know what we're going to do for next year. I don't know how we're going to figure it out. But for now, that's what we're going to do. Also, uh, we only had about a dozen entries into the uh, Wild West Exodus contest for the for the game. And I'm just asking everybody who's listening now, 
I'm going to wait until uh, the end of the month. So December 1st, uh, I'm going to pick a winner for that. It's going to be a random draw. If you were one of the 10 or 12 people who entered, just send an email to garagehammeratlive.com saying, hey, I was one of the guys who entered. Here's my name and address. Please make sure I'm entered for the drawing. Uh, once again, we're going on the honor system. If I get 50 people saying that they were entered and they, they, they submitted an entry, then I'm going to know somebody's lying. But, you know, there's 10 or 12 people. Guys, get your names in, and I'll get you drawn before Christmas. So that's that's the whole plan with the forums. And I apologize for the that. Uh, oh, seriously, that that almost killed me. That made me want to quit. That, that was so upsetting. I loved our forums. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, I mean, it's history, you know? Yeah. I mean, we had all this gone. stuff on there. And the thing is, I had it set up where you had to introduce yourself first. That was sort of mm-hmm. to keep too many too many uh, spammers off there. Right. Because they try to spam everything, but you can't even post anywhere until you introduce yourself. And once they got mm-hmm. it on there, they pretty much stopped. So that was the one place I would just keep going in. And when they would post up crappy spamming nonsense, I would just delete it and ban them that way. Uh, it worked pretty well. And, I mean, it's because everyone had introduced themselves, I responded to everybody. Like I said hi and talked to every single person on that forum. Yeah. And then it disappeared. I Seriously, I almost cried. I was so upset. I was so angry. Yeah, it's like when your hard drive crashes and you forget to back things up. Yeah. Same kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So that's what's going on there. Uh, Bjorn Broberg says, who is the Celestine Prime? Dude, I have no idea. Someone thought it was <laughs> Carl Franz, and I said, nah. Yeah. I don't I, think it's Carl Franz. No, well, they said he was a king of men, but Karl Franz wasn't a king necessarily. He was an emperor, and yeah. well, maybe I he's mean, a Brett. Maybe but, somebody from the Brett. But remember, when Karl Franz died and came back, it was Sigmar in that body, and then right. Sigmar, I thought, kept that body. Yeah. I thought, at least you know, for part of it, wasn't he the one clutching the thing as he went out? I mean, I don't know, but I just don't think the Celestin Prime is Karl Franz personally. Mm-hmm. I got no idea. Green Knight. Right, last question. Green Knight. Last question, <laughs> then a break. Then we're going to come back and we'll talk all things Holy Wars. Uh, Aiden Clark, my good buddy and uh, host of what used to be. Um, uh, oh, goodness. What am I thinking now? Why am I blanking on this? Of course I'm blanking because they, they haven't put out an episode in a while because they went over to Age of Sigmar. Um, but they used to be. Is that Dimensional? Yeah, they were Dimensional Cascade, and now they're... They're Kings of War now. Kings of Cascadia, that's kings right. Kings of Cascadia, yeah, that's yes, right. Yes, that's it. Uh, yeah. a- Aiden's actually asking a question about AOS? Yeah, he said, can you run when you retreat? And I don't believe you can. No, I believe you actually, yeah, I believe you can. Can you? As long as you, as long as you end your move three inches away from an enemy. I don't have the rules right in front of me, but I thought it was you move away. I thought it actually said that you move. It says here that uh, it's like on the rules um, and you under enemy models, and it says that um, units starting the movement phase within three inches of an enemy unit can either remain stationary or retreat. Okay, so it's within three inches, right? Right. If you choose to retreat, the unit must end its move more than three inches away from all enemy units. If the unit retreats, then it can't shoot or charge later that turn. So 
to me, it sounds like you potentially could. See, I thought moving and running were two different things, and so it said it begins. It has to end its move. So I thought it was a regular move and not a run. Yeah, and then it says see below, and then it talks about running. See, when you pick, when you pick a unit to move in the movement phase, you can declare that that unit will run. Roll a die, add the result to the move characteristic of all models in the unit for the movement phase. A unit that runs can't shoot or charge later that turn. Does not say anything in there that you cannot run when you're retreating. Hmm. Uh, if you were going to go rules as written, you could argue it. Right, you could. Yeah, I guess I. Yeah, I won't. I took the word. Yeah, ah, that's great. You know, it's nice and nice and clear as mud. Um, when, we've been, <laughs> when we've been playing, like we never. War gaming, dude. What? It's, it, it's like all war gaming. Yeah. It's just, to sit no war game is you know clear as clear as day it's all clear as mud it doesn't matter what you play there's always oh, I would disagree there's a lot of games that make every every little rule very clear but um we never played that you could run when you retreat but I suppose that's one you would have to would have to follow yeah. up I never played you could run because it said, you know you have to end your move and it says when you move, you can opt to run. I always thought of moving and running as two different things. And since it said moving, I just thought of it that way. But well, you as you pointed it. out, it could totally be that way. So, well, to, in order to run, you roll a die. Right. So you can roll a one. That's true. And, and you know your movement value, depending on what it is, you might not be three inches away from an enemy. You know when you when you retreat, depending on what you roll, even with your movement value, depending on the battlefield and how many. That's units true. Are, how many units are around you? Yeah. So. Well, I think that's part of the beauty of it is if you if you can kind of get around them. And once again, with, with your movement, with your pile, and if you start moving along the sides to get around and get really surround mm -hmm. them, yeah. um, they may not have enough room to run. You could actually stop right. someone from retreating Correct. by just getting enough guys around them, which is kind of a fun little uh, tactic. Little yeah, tactic. Sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's all the questions. We are done with the questions. So break and then back and then we're going to hear the history of the holy wars from the <laughs> holy hammer himself well, that'll take two minutes <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll be back Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois is the one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. They carry anything your favorite gamer may want. Board games, collectible card games, miniature-based games, and all your hobby gaming supplies are there, as well as books, charms, incense, crystals, and other unique gifts. UGG has it all. Come into the store and ask about their frequent buyers program, or check out their gaming and events calendars in-store or online. From Tuesday night War Machine and Thursday Board Game Night, to Friday Night Magic. There's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake. Check them out on the web at uniquegg.com.
Uh, hey, everybody, we're back. Yes, we are. Don't be so enthused. Um, oh, oh, <laughs> let me change that. Hey, everybody, we're back. Yeah. We're, we're back, finally, getting ready to talk about Holy Wars. It's Two about time getting through all these dumb questions and getting to the meat of the thing. Get to the meat. Get to my section, man. Yeah, exactly. Going down this script. Crap, 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 my part. Crap, crap, my part. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a blast. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun, man. Oh, you are always welcome on. You know that, Herner. I know. Uh, all right. So, okay, let's talk about the inspiration for the original Holy Wars, first of all. I know, I mean, dude, you know, starting a, starting a tournament's a big commitment, especially when you're a graphic artist psychopath like you are, yeah. and everything's got to look beautiful, and you have, you know... I do the painting to models, and everywhere I go, I get nominated for best painted, and then I decide I'm going to have a tournament, so I have to have the tables that everyone's going to say are the best tables in any tournament anywhere. <laughs> and then I know Fanoof got mad at your little big box tables or whatever those were, the slanesh weird large boxes or something like that. Slanesh weird boxes. Was that your tables, or was that somebody else's table? No. Someone had a big slanesh table, white with a lot of symbols and large Oh no, that wasn't me. No, no, no. That was a Rock Wars thing. Oh, that was a Rock Wars one. Okay. Yeah, so I yeah, yeah. I withdraw the statement. Yes. Um, no, that was not me. That was Rock Wars. But yeah, I mean everybody. I mean when you were putting up pictures last year cuz last year was your first year. Correct. You were putting up pictures of the terrain you were building. And not even, when even Bear is like I'm going to have to pick up my game now because of you. Yeah, Bear actually I I could quote he says I give up. He said I give up. Um, that's what he said on Twitter. So I favorited that. That was one of my very early favorites on Twitter. Um, yeah, it, it, uh, thank you. First of all, for that compliment. That was, uh, that was very nice to, to they're amazing tables. Those pictures you put up, it's like anybody in the fantasy war gaming would love to play on those tables. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, we're, we're kind of spoiled the club, the holy hammers are spoiled because we, you know, we get to play on those tables all the time, and it's and every time we have a club date, it's a different table, so it's it's really great um, because we we just it's never the same terrain, it's never the same layout, and and it's a, it's a lot of fun. Now, um, how many tables have you got now? Fifteen tables. Okay. Um, we um we we with the 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 plan was to to update a couple tables, but because of the age of Sigmar drop, we. Uh, I didn't do that this year, but so, so going back to your original question about inspiration and why, um, basically what it, what it boiled down to was, you know, there were a couple guys in the group, uh, Pat DeBrock, Nick DeBrock, um, who are now our East coast chapter of the Holy Hammers. Okay. Um, out in Connecticut, we were sitting around and we were kind of like, you know, uh, Hey, let's go to a tournament. So we went to bits and then we came back from bits and, then uh, Nick and I went to Wapaka. It was so nice meeting you and your and your whole crew. Yeah, at yeah. Too, by the way, I remember that we right. just getting together. That was so much fun meeting you right. guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was our first time. We had a we had a pretty good showing that year. And then um um and then we we came back to the club and and we had already had I I had already designed like uh, I think I had at that time I had three tables so that that we had and we looked at those three tables and we were kind of like you know, these tables are pretty cool and I said you know imagine going to a tournament that had our tables, like every table was like our tables and the terrain and everything. And, and our eyes kind of just like popped out of our heads and we were kind of like, maybe we could do something. And then Jason Vargas, one of our other Holy Hammers, he was, he was over at the, we were kind of chatting one night and he's like, 
you know, if we ever did run a run a tournament, we should because we're called the Holy Hammers, we should call it the Holy Wars. And I said, you know, Jay, that's a great idea. I like I like that name. And then um, that was right before Nick and I went to Wapaka. So we oh, okay. went to the, we went to Wapaka, you know, and and um, we checked out the tables and and you know, obviously Bears tables are top notch, you know, and, and um, you know he's got he he's got probably like a hundred tables, so. Um, you know, and, well, and yeah, well, there's 50, you know, you, for Wapaka. Yeah, 100, 50 players, right? 100 players, 50 tables, right? Yeah. Um, so the we were looking at the tables, and 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 I was like, you know, you you hear these legends, you heard, you know, Paca's a legendary tournament. So like when we got up there and we started looking at the tables, I was like, holy crap, our tables are just like these tables. <laughs> and, and I was like, I was like, we could do this. I think I think we could do we could pull something off. And then, so I came, I came back and then, um, the inspiration for it, the, 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 I guess the thing that pushed me over the edge, Dave, was when Wapaka had the, res- the, the regional restrictions last year. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but yeah, cause they had a lot, so many people wanting to come from so many other places that they wanted to give them a chance to come. So Midwest got a, we got right. a limit. Right. And so what happened was our sister club are the Lords of War out of Minnesota. Right. And so none of the Lords that year got in. And so then I was really, we were, I was going, none of the other Holy Hammers were able to go and I was going and I was pretty bummed out that, that none of the Lords were going to go. And I think I was going to play under your, under, under your banner that yeah, year. You were going to work with NW2. Yep. Exactly. And then, so what happened was I sent out um, an email to the to the Lords of War. I said, "Hey guys, um, I think I want to. I think I'm going to host a tournament. And you know, the thing is, if I do it, I'm going to build. They had they had been to my club. They'd been to the to the headquarters when they came in for bits one year. Mm-hmm. And so um, they had seen the tables. They had seen the terrain. Um, in fact, some of them even took holy wars terrain and entered it in the bits terrain contest because they didn't have a terrain piece (laughs) (laughs) and so um so they you know i said to the guys i said you know but for this tournament if i do it you know i need to kind of get an idea if i'm really going to be able to sell this thing out because if i'm going to do it i'm going to do it like i'm going to every table is going to be like a holy uh, a holy hammer table and then the guys, you know, I, I heard back from all the guys and the guy said you know what steve if you do something like that we're definitely in so that put me at about probably 10, I think it was about 10 players that said that they would commit. And so then I thought, okay, well, you know, if I could get 20 more, let's see, let's, why don't we see what we can do here and see if we can pull it off. And then I, and that really was the, that was the inspiration. It was the idea that I wasn't going to get to play Warhammer with um, some of my closest friends at a tournament um, and on playing on great tables. So, um, and then I took the idea to the club, and the club was all they—they they were all like they were really stoked about it, and they wanted to do it. And then, and then it began this this crazy marathon. Uh, looking back on it now, I can't believe I actually was able to pull it off. Um, you know, because we started—I started building the tables in um, late, excuse me, late August, and didn't stop until the week I finished the week before masters because masters was the weekend before holy wars and i was going to masters so, so about six months 
Yeah, and it was nonstop. Um, the only day I took off was on a Monday. Um, so um, I was doing something every single day. My one day off was Mondays. I mean, every every free moment I had around the house was just doing stuff, was just producing stuff. And then what happened was I started posting pictures on Twitter to promote, and then it just Twitter just blew up. You know, I started – I mean, I was never on Twitter. And then right. – Suddenly, boom, I've got, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of followers. And I mean, I'm not up in the thousand range, but, you know, now to, as of today, I think I'm over 600 followers and, and it's just a short period of time. And, and, and it was just posting the, posting the terrain, posting what I was doing and the concepts. And when I first started thinking about it, what I wanted to do was make every table thematic around the old world and the maps and, and what were in the books and taking from those maps and kind of finding little bits and getting inspired by fluff and creating it, you know, like looking right, right. at, looking at the tomb King book and seeing this area called the shifting sands and creating the shifting sands and having it be on the table. And so that's what I did. And then, um, and then, uh, it was great. We sold out in like a week um, right. we, I remember that we had, we had like four, uh, we actually had a total of 10 people through rotation that were on the wait list throughout the six month period. Once we, we went live with the website in September and then we, but everybody who was on the wait list ultimately got in because of cancellations and stuff. Right. Right. And, and then, um, and then the tournament happened and, and we got a standing ovation, which was really like very heartwarming and emotional. It was like, wow, you know, it was just, and, and I didn't even realize it at the moment. Like we, I was so focused on, okay, we got to break all this stuff down. We got to pack everything up, get out of the place. And everybody was coming up and thanking us and everything. And then we were driving away and my son Reed, um, um, and he turns to me, he goes, dad, he goes, that was pretty cool. And I said, yeah, it was a great weekend. He goes, no, 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 no. At the end, that everybody gave everybody stood up and was clapping us in, in standing ovation, Dad. And I and I was like, I looked at him and I'm like, Holy, shit, you're right. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, they did. That I guess that was for that was legit, and and it was. It was just this outpouring of thanks, and and um, and and we only had we only had thirty players, you know, and and so yeah, only um, still. It's- well, well, what happened was um, it was interesting because a lot of people kept asking us on Sunday night, you know, are we going to expand? You know, are we going to expand? Like, um, some of the local guys who didn't get into the tournament, some of the, some of the twisted troop, some of the, uh, windy city Warhammer guys, um, some other guys from, uh, the dice dojo and stuff. They all came out to check it out. Alex Gonzalez came down. A lot of guys came down to check it out and they were asking me, they were saying, you know, Hey, are you going to expand? Are you going to grow? And I said to those guys, and these these were guys who weren't playing, you know. And I said, yeah, I don't know, maybe, you know, it was really successful. You know, I got to look for a different venue because there's no room to expand here. And then um, that Sunday night, like literally every single person who was at Holy War said, don't expand. They didn't. They, <laughs> they're like, don't do it. Just this was great. Just this 30 player small setting. They absolutely just loved it. And and then. Um, and so, so we, I said, okay, I'm just going to keep running it at this size, you know? And, and then, and then at the time, Ryan Nickel, 
right. was our was our rep for for the uh, Midwest rep for uh, the Masters, and he he approached me about expansion to going to sixty players so that it could be a qualifier. And I told him that no, Holy Wars will never be a master qualifier. Um, I didn't. That wasn't my goal for the tournament. Okay. And okay. so um, we decided as a group that we were going to kind of keep it at thirty players for a couple of years. We might expand. Um, but we were going to keep it at 30 players. And if we did expand, we would only expand in increments of five tables. So uh, 10 players a year. I was pot- thinking you should put one more table on, go to 32 players. So you could literally just have, if you don't allow draws, if you go, okay, if it's a draw, you go by points or whatever, or tiebreakers. Mm-hmm. 32 30. players, five rounds. You're only going to have one player there is five and oh. Right, 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 right. You know? So we, we do have room. There is room to add one more table. It would make it a little tight, but we could do it. Um. But the, um, so, so that, that's something to consider. And then, so the plan for, so it was a great success and we banked, we, we were going to take, I spent, obviously when you do a tournament, you know, the, I, I reached out to a lot of the tournament guys who have done this before guys like Grant, uh, Raj, um, you know, Joe Rogers for PACA, right, right. um, Andy Sherman, um, uh, Hayne Bagley, um, and got pointers from all those guys. And they all told me, they were like, Hey, you're going to take a loss. It's going to take you a few years to earn back what you spend. And I spent, a, I spent, we spent a lot of money uh, to get, to get Holy Wars up and running. And, um, um, and then, um, so we were ready to go for, for the next year. So, so, so the summer rolls around and the way we do it for Holy Wars was we, we start, August is where things really start getting kind of crazy and we start planning what we're going to do in August. And then obviously this July when Age of Sigmar dropped, um, we had some hard decisions to make. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about that because that I wanted to know what that whole decision-making process was. Well, um, I host a 24 hours of gaming um, in the beginning of August, like the first week of August here at the HQ. So basically what I do is the yeah, I know. Doors. It's Gen Con weekend. Uh, the I know. Next year, though, we're not doing a Gen Con weekend. So then there, you can come and you can spend the night here and just be a part of it. There you and go. We, and maybe we could even broadcast. That would be a lot of fun. That would be yeah. so cool. Yeah. So so what we're so, – so basically what happened that weekend, um, we had – we had we had scheduled a bunch of stuff. So so Age of Sigmar had dropped, and we had put the schedule together for the twenty four hours of gaming and what we were going to do. And so we had a Holy Hammer night a couple weeks before. It was like right after Age of Sigmar dropped. Okay. And so, and walked the Holy Hammers, you know. And I sent out the list as the head of the head of the uh, the club. I sent out our email list and I told everybody, I say, look, look, we got the team challenge coming up in August. We got Holy Wars prep to do. Uh, so let's bring our, let's bring our eighth edition lists for the club challenge. Let's bring some ideas. We can, we can start talking about it and then maybe we can even start game prepping in August at the uh, 24 hours of gaming. And then when the Holy Hammers came that night, they were split. Like I was shocked, like right down the middle. It was like, I'm not playing Age of Sigmar. I'm I'm only playing Eighth Edition. I'm not going to play any GW product. I couldn't. I was just like blown away. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I, so I didn't know what to do. Um. So then I, I I crafted an email, sent an email out to all of last year's players because as a thank you 
12 last year's players, I told them that they would get early bird sign-up before we released the public registration. So I'd give them the option to register as a thank you for being a first-time attendee um, before everybody else, okay? To, because it's a limited amount of, of slots, and um, I wanted to make sure that um, that they had a chance. And, you know, I just felt it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I sent out emails to everybody and I said, okay, guys, here's the deal. You know, we got this Age of Sigma thing. It's six months away from Adepticon. Nobody knows what 2016 is going to look like. We don't know what's going to happen with the Masters. We don't, we, you know, we, nobody knew anything. Uh, what, would you guys be okay if we just played 8th edition? Or what, what's your opinions on 8th edition versus Age of Sigma? It was like a big questionnaire, right? Okay. Overwhelmingly, there was only two players. Okay, there were thirty. We had we had a, we sold out, so we had thirty players. Only two players emailed back a positive response to Age of Sigmar. Really? Yeah. All twenty-eight said Eighth Edition, Eighth Edition, Eighth Edition, Eighth Edition. Um, nobody wanted to play Age of Sigmar. Just two players. And so we were like, okay, the community spoken. So let's do what the community does. Well, obviously, we didn't do that. <laughs> and then, so what happened was we had our first Holy Wars meeting, uh-huh. and we had to, we had to, we had to say, okay, what are we going to do? And you know, I, I said, look, you know, the, all of our players say they want to play Eighth Edition, and then we had a serious discussion. You know, we sat down and we said, okay, you know, what, what, what do, do we really think Eighth Edition's going to survive? Like. What, what what's the goal here? Is, is Holy Wars a one-and-done thing? I mean, is that it? Did we spend $4,000 on this tournament just to piss the money away, and that's it? And, well, okay, so we made, we banked, maybe I think it was around 1600 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. And we had that sitting in our bank. And I said, okay, so so that's it? So we're at a loss of three whatever, you know, do the math. I'm not that, you know, I'm not that. Okay. So, so we're just at a loss. Is that what we're thinking here? And, and it's over. And I said to the, to the guys, I said, and a few, a few of the other guys like Jason and I both, we both said, well, you know, the future for GW is this age of Sigmar thing. Um, we could, we could do something really bold and put ourselves out there and then not be the first to announce that we're going to run an age of Sigmar event. Like, okay officially announce it and just do it and let's just see what happens what the hell i mean if it fails we can always run eighth edition in 2017 or we could run ninth age we've got the tables built sure Um, Sure. we could we could even do kings of war right i mean it was like let's be brave and let's just take a chance and so we kind of did a we did a 180 you know and um when we made the announcement, we 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 had a bunch of guys who decided they weren't going to play. You know, hey, they didn't sign fair up. Enough, fair enough. Fair enough. Totally cool. Totally totally understand. But the idea was to say, let's give it a shot. Let's see if we can make it work. And um, and that was how we came to that decision. It was it was the idea that um, we wanted to to uh, to maybe be the be the first to officially announce we were going to go down this road. For our cool. tournament, and I'm and I'm glad you did. I really am. Um, um, go ahead. I mean, I've been people have been sending me stuff. I've got stuff sent to me for Ninth Age and Eighth 
you know, the eighth had uh, different comps and things like that. And I, I just, I don't, I guess I don't have any desire. I mean, Ninth Age, have you seen Ninth Age? I have. We looked at it. And I got to say, you know what? They they did a really nice job with it. They, um, they, yeah. They clean their stuff. I mean, that's that's the type of, a, of Warhammer they want to play. Mm-hmm. And it's clean and it's tight and it's got a lot of ETC sort of and, you know, rules in it. Mm-hmm. That they've cleaned up, um, not necessarily the game I, I was wanting to play, but it, they did a really nice job with it. It is, it's clean, it's tight. People who are playing it are really liking it and are happy. I, I, I've got four games right now that I play that the companies that actually made those games support. I have no desire to switch over to a game that isn't that doesn't have that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Definitely, and that was one of my biggest concerns. Um, And I I know they're saying Ninth Age can incorporate any list of any models from any game because they're doing it all themselves. Yep. But, you know, if you notice, GW's got the 8th edition rulebook on sale on their website. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, (laughs) my, you know, a lot of people, we couldn't figure out exactly why in the heck you would do that, and I basically looked at that. And said the same thing. Me and Cranky said the same thing um, because that's their product. And just because they're not making it anymore doesn't mean you can take it and do what you want with it and repackage it and put your name on it. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. They'd be foolish and they have that product in stock and they're going to sell it. And they would, be, they, they would be operating at a loss if they decided to just throw it all away. And if they've got people who want to continue to play 8th edition and there are people willing to pay for the book, then by all means they should sell it. Exactly. Um, so then then the problem we, we faced with Holy Wars was, well, how do we do this? You know, we have a rule set that's not real clear. We have no guidance on how to create um, armies or how to judge armies based on rules and it was it was crazy, um, and we, we we really struggled with that for quite a long time. I looked at a lot. Of, I looked at every system. Okay, I looked at Can Hammer's system, a Can Comp. Um, that's the one that Brad right. ran. We looked at SDK, and then I looked at I looked and then we looked at we looked at Clash of Swords, and so I really um, wanted something that tried to adhere to the essence of what. Age of Sigmar was, and I felt that Clash and what Mo did really try. He tried his damnedest to ensure the integrity of what Age of Sigmar was. Yes, and so for me, that was what that was the major selling point. And so the next step was we had to figure out, okay. Are we going to allow the forces, right, the alliances or the forces of destruction, forces of order, that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Are, how are we going to deal with summoning? Mo and I went back and forth via email, and he was Mo's been great. Uh, he's been very um, helpful with, um, with sharing ideas, and he, he actually wanted us to tweak the pool system as we saw fit. Um, and we started to do that in the beginning. Um, and then we had to address summoning and what we were going to do regarding summoning and how we were going to deal with that. And, you know, in Mo's original compact, he just banned it completely. Um, right. He had in his original compact, he had 
you roll a five up for all the little silly rules. Um, uh, in his original compact, he he um, um, he had uh, I think well actually that was it. Those are the big things, and so. You know, we decided early on, I decided early on, you know, Holy Wars was the tournament in 2016 that embraced the end times. We just did it. We, you know, right. had fun with it. And I said, you know what? We're going to embrace those elements of Age of Sigmar. So if you want to bend your knee and, you know, declare and raise a chalice and declare to the lady with those silly rules, <laughs> you better do it <laughs> or it's not going to happen. You know, um, exactly. You know, so rules is written when it comes to that kind of stuff. And Holy Wars is about, you know, Holy Wars has always been about the narrative and about the fun. And um, and so that was another part of it. So so once we found the comp system, then the, the challenging part became how do we put the Holy Wars stamp on it? And this is when so I was in the midst of playing both eighth edition and Age of Sigmar. Okay, so this is we're looking at August, right? During, during this time frame, so I'm prepping for the team challenge that was local, and I'm prepping with Eighth Edition, and I'm playing Age of Sigmar. And what I had noticed while I was starting to play Age of Sigmar, I, I started to discover all these little synergies, and then I was like saying, "Oh my gosh, I missed my magic phase. Oh my gosh, this sucks." Uh, and I was complaining, and then. I then suddenly, as I started to play more games, what I realized was that there was these, there was all this tactical, tactical decision making that needed to that were based upon how terrain was on the board and where you were deployed and how you were using the terrain to your advantage, just like Napoleon at Waterloo, right? Just like any general on a battlefield looking at the battlefield and making mistakes because they do they they declare charge against a a a, a watered down field and their troops then are slogging through right you know and and it turned it, suddenly in age of sigmar i was starting to see that the holy wars terrain was the perfect fit for age of sigmar oh yeah okay so everything that we had built and for holy wars in 2015 for eighth edition, you know, some of the complaints we got was, you know, we love your terrain, but it doesn't function really well in eighth edition. We love playing on your tables. Don't get us wrong, Steve. We love it. We love it. We love it. It's just that it makes it hard to move our units around. And not but anymore. It, yeah. In Age of Sigmar, it's just phenomenally cool. Um the the way the way you can use intervening terrain, the way you just can't pick trees up out of the forest and then move a big block of 40 guys through a footprint. Um, you know, you're going to have to move around the trees, the trees. You're not going to be able to pick the trees up. You know, you, the trees are there. They're like trees. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't, you just don't, you can't teleport through them. Um, you know, and it's the same thing with some of our other terrain where you can navigate because of the movement and you can, you could, you could scale up and move around the terrain and, and interact with the terrain. And and one of the things we did after Holy Wars 2015, when we came back to the HQ after we dropped everything off, was we met as a team and we said, okay, what do we need to improve for 2016? Like, so it was fresh in our mind on that Sunday. 
and we knew what we wanted to improve. And one of the things we wanted to improve upon was interaction with the terrain, interaction with the custom terrain. And how were we going to do that? That was our number one thing that we wanted to achieve in Holy Wars, uh, Holy Wars 2016. Okay, and when Age of Sigmar dropped, it was like the it was almost like the light of Sigmar came shining down upon us and said, "Boom! Here you guys go." <laughs> it was it was it was almost as if you know GW said, "Hey, there's this great tournament in the United States, and we're going to give them a game that can fit on their tables." And, and, and it, and it worked and it's going to, and, and so, so when we started to craft our scenarios, we started to look at what, what were we going to do to make it work within Age of Sigmar? And then I came up with this really crazy idea. Um, we had our first council meeting and I told, I said to the council, I said, look, here's what I want to do. I want Holy Wars to have 15 unique table scenarios with 15 unique deployments and also 15 unique Grail token objectives, and so then everybody okay. looked at everybody looked at me like, wait, what do you mean? You mean so like round one, every we're not just going to have battle line, and or the L shaped deployment, or the battle for the past deployment, and I'm like, yeah, no, we're not. It's going to be 15 unique scenarios, 15 unique. Grail token objectives, and everybody was looking at me like I was crazy. <laughs> and and so we decided to do that. And I don't think there's been a tournament out there that's done anything like that before. So we've so like in round one, you know, you could be playing on the Bretonian table, right? And the table right next to you could be the Tomb King table. And your deployment maybe on the Bretonian table is the diagonal deployment and then on the on the tomb king table it might be battle for the pass okay okay and that table has got a completely different objective than your table so and a completely different grail objective than your table and that's what we're doing that's what we're doing for 2016 so you're during the same round different tables and stuff might have different ways they're setting up and playing in objectives Yes. Interesting. All 15. And you're totally not worried that people are going to be like, that makes it unbalanced and unfair for, you know, the competitive gamer because this guy was lucky and got a table more suited to his list or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so what we've done is that all of the main table objectives are based around the Holy Wars custom terrain. Okay. Okay. And and those custom terrain that can either hurt you or help you. Okay? So you are going to have to interact with that. So the slogan this year is it's kind of like the the tournament where the tables get to play. And so there's going to and you're going to be battling on multiple fronts, okay? So you're going to be battling like the main table objective might be all the way on one side of the table and the grail objectives might be on the other side of the table. And the way it's set up is that, you know, you get um, the way the scoring mechanic is is set up for Holy Wars this year is it's all based on objectives. And we pulled this because, you know, when you look at Age of Sigmar, Age of Sigmar really does suck 
if you just say, okay, look, let's just put our armies and do a battle line and let's fight. Oh, that doesn't work, especially with just right. a, with five pieces of terrain. Exactly. One in the middle and one in each qu- in each quarter. It doesn't work. No. So the, so the way it works is there's 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 a total. Uh, you have a total of 180 points available over four categories. Okay. You get 12 points for attendance. Okay, that's if you play all six games. You're going to get 120 points are possible in battle. And then there's 30 points in appearance and 18 points in sportsmanship. Okay? Okay. So, and in the battle part of the game, the main table objective, okay, we're calling it the table slash terrain objective, yeah. is, is worth nine points. Okay? Grail token objectives are worth six points. Your secret mission objective is worth three points. And then the most surviving deployed pools on the table at the end of the game is in another two points. Okay? So conceivably, you could gain the main table objective and still lose the game. Right. Okay? So it's all going to be about objectives. It's all going to be about claiming those objectives. It's all going to be risk-reward. Do I risk going for the main table objective or do I go after those three other objectives to try to win the game? Do I, who, who, which unit, you know, do I send in to grab those grail tokens? Um, when, when do I go in and grab those grail tokens? Because in some scenarios, there could be a situation where grail token, like there are some tables where you're going to have one grail token and there's going to be some tables where you're going to have three grail tokens on the table. And so there could be a situation where you might need to get three units in three different areas of the board and claim those grail tokens. And while you're trying to claim and defend those grail tokens, you might be taking hits from the terrain. You might be taking hits from something else. So there's a lot of generalship and tactical planning that's going to have to take place. And that's why the pool system works so well with what we with what we feel we've developed. And in our playtesting so far, we still have some more playtesting to do. So some okay. scenarios some scenarios are going to get tweaked. But in a lot of the scenarios we've written so far, we've had a lot of fun with it. What we've realized is it's not about just beating your face. You know, it's about these things of the timing of it. It's it's about managing your resources and how you manage those resources and and we've had a couple early list submissions, right? And I've emailed those players to say, hey, look, if you with this list submission you sent, you're not going to have fun. You know, you need to have more scoring units, okay? Um, like heroes can't claim objectives, right? Monsters can't claim objectives. Right. You're going to need to have the units that can claim those objectives. And if you come in saying, I'm going to just bring all my big beasties, you're not going to be able to claim the objectives. So you're going you're gonna to have a hard time enjoying yourself at the game. Now, is there, going back to your original question of is there a risk that people feel that it's unbalanced or if it's, you know, um, it's competitive, that kind of thing? That's not how we're selling our tournament, and we've never sold it that way. It's about the experience of the interaction of playing on really great tables and having these crazy, amazing moments. And that's what even happened last year. So, and with Age of Sigmar, it's a different type of game. You know, it, it's not about the number of models you kill. It's about the objectives and how you claim the objectives. And yep. if you 
and if you can claim the objectives. We're going to have to have a conversation off the air because I wanted to run a primer at UGG, but we're going to have to modify some of this stuff because there's no way I could run that unless, I mean, I just don't have all the terrain and stuff like that to do it exactly the way you're doing it. So right. if we're going to well, do we a primer, talk. I'll have to figure something out. so that We can yeah. do a modified, at least give them a taste and go sure. with the rules without having to have that sort of a, that sort of a stuff, just because I, I I just don't have the the, the capacity to do what sure. you're doing. Cause that's, yeah, man, and you had to have it on my birthday, you son of a yeah. monkey. Because uh, uh, I'm just that would have been so. This sounds like so much fun. I'm I'm no not even I'm not even kidding. I am. The hotel's great. You can bring the whole family, get discount. You know. Yeah, no, I I get that and all, but we've <laughs> already got plans. I so. know. But the the other thing too about the tournament, and this is the really cool thing about Holy Wars too, is that. Our terrain, like, you know, when you look at a GW piece of terrain, okay, the typical footprint for a GW piece of terrain is maybe, what, like maybe eight, nine inches, Yeah. okay? At Holy Wars, footprints could be as much as 20 inches, right? So there's things that that are going to be happening and occurring that are just completely... Like I, the players really are gonna when they when they rack up to those tables, they're gonna be looking at the board and they're gonna be saying to themselves, "Holy cow, that shrine of Hoeth over there is that, you know, it's got a footprint that wide, and it's giving, and, and perhaps it's giving that radius buff. I've got to really, de- I got to make a key decision when I'm gonna go in there and try to get that, you know." Okay. Um, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be deployments. Like there's, we have, we, I can't, I can't reveal what table, but I will share with your, with you and the listeners that we've got a deployment set up where we've set the table up into six equal quadrants and you'll be deploying in two separate quadrants on two different sides of the board. And you'll have to choose where, who's going to go where, so it's going to be one of those deals where you're going to be like, okay, my force is my force is actually split, right? So your hero, you know, you might not be getting that buff in the hero phase from your general because you've got units way on the other side of the board, you know, and and you're gonna you're gonna have to manage what you're you know what you're going to do how you're gonna how you're gonna play that scenario out and who you feel is worth putting over there and who you feel is worth sacrificing to get to the main objective. Make sense? Yeah, I get it. Yeah, so so there's really crazy fun deployments. We're really because in you know Age of Sigmar, it's just equal parts. You know they 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 tell you in the book they're like okay look here's some examples but just got to make sure it's equal deployment zones. So we're we're actually creating equal deployment zones. You know on the, on our table maps and how we're how we're setting it up and we're and we're designing it in a way too. We're being cognizant too. We're not trying to ruin people's hobbies. What we're trying to do is, and what we've successfully done in some of these turn in some of these scenarios, is we've seen that it's working. That putting the scenario, like when, like one of the early, I'll give you an example. The very first scenario we play tested was on the Bretonian table, right? And the the scenario played out, and we realized it was one sided. You're like, oh my gosh, that shouldn't have happened. Why did that happen? And so we analyzed it. That's what we do. So we, we, we play it out, and then the crew, we come together, and we analyze it. And we analyze it down to the point, too, where we're asking player A, okay, well, tactically, when you played this game, 
did you play this game 8th edition style? Did you just push it forward? Or did you decide to run and f- try to outflank your opponent when you had all these cavalry models? And, you know, player A says, no, I didn't do it that way. I ran up here and I claimed the objective turn one. And we're like, well, that was a mistake because you should have, if you would have swung around, he would have never been able to get over to you because of this big lake in the middle. He would have been taking deadly terrain tests and the lady of, and maybe the way the rules for the lady of the lake were working, that might've worked against him and helped you. Okay. And, and player A was like, oh, yeah, that, you know, so it's this idea that you've got to get out of that eighth edition mindset. You know, you, 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 you've got to kind of relearn how to play, you know, and, and I think that in itself, when, when, as our play, as we've been play testing and we've been looking at it, we're like, oh my gosh, holy cow. Yeah. That, that changes things. That changes the dynamic a lot. And then there's even times where like, you know, you might be in, in a scenario where you're, it's attack versus defend, um, you know, and, and it might be random. It might not. Like if you rock up to a table and you're forces of order, you might have to do the defend, and okay. the the opponent's going to have to attack. Um, but the opponent attacking, you know, they might they might say to themselves, "Yeah, okay, am I going to send everybody in to try to kill that and get the main objective, or am I going to try to go after those grails?" And then as the defender, you might say you know what, I've got enough to defend. I'm going to go out and send out some party, scouting parties, raiding parties to try to fend <laughs> off. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off. Yeah, so there's a lot of that going on. And then there's a table, too, where you're not going to be able to deploy all 20 of your, or all 20 of your scrolls. I can tell you that right now. And what's going to happen is you're going to be, they're going to come in, the remaining scrolls will come in as reserves in the next turn, but they have to enter in on the roads Okay, like okay. there's roads going into the city, into Jeez. like the Empire City. Okay. So you're going to have to deploy into the roads like you would do in real war, right? You're not just going to show up. You're going to claiming, you know, you claim a road, that kind of thing. So you would deploy there. So you're going to have to think about that tactically and how that how that comes about. And then some, there's one scenario where players aren't going to know if they claim the grail until the very end of the game. So that's fun. We had a lot of fun with that one. That one was a lot of fun. We were kind of like, how are we going to pull this off? And so we're like, okay, well, here's how we'll pull it off. Those players that are assigned to that table will have to leave the room, and then you know we'll determine where those grails are, and then they're going to have to come back, and they're going to be battling and everything. And if they don't do something, you know, and they're not where they need to be, they might not claim that object- objective. So there's going to be lots of surprises. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. So it's going to be it's going to be what Age of Sigmar is about, and that's about the scenarios, and it's about the na- and the narrative part of that game. Lee Harvey, you are a madman. <laughs> it's, it's been it's been a labor of love, dude. Yeah, no kidding. I'm it's I'm dumbfounded. Like I don't even know what to say. Like this. The the you know the, what, um, you know what you know what I'm thinking here though, and I keep thinking, wow, this for a competitive tournament. I keep thinking to myself, this, and then I, I keep thinking, but why not? Like right. that's what this whole game sure. is set up on. Every I mean, anyone who's playing this at all and enjoying it knows you have to play scenarios. Sure, you know, absolutely. we had before the forum fell that's apart. That. One of the guys came on and said. You know, it's not doing really well in my neighborhood. We played a few games and nobody likes it, but they were playing straight battle line with just a little bit of terrain. And I said, well, have you been playing scenarios? Have you employed like double the terrain you used to? And they're like, no, we haven't. We didn't really right. bother with that. We just wanted to play with the mechanics and see how they worked. Well, yeah. 
they but they don't work unless you follow through with the other stuff that they intended you know absolutely absolutely like on the dwar the the, the dwarden table right okay you know right. we say in our little fluff here i'll give it to you because i love you okay so here you go <laughs> so it's 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 it, and, and it's obviously dwarves right well, hold, so, on, hold on hold on hold on listen um because this is we're we're, we're kind of wrapping up the stuff going on here so before okay. i get a fluff story let's take our last break We'll come back. We'll get the Duarden story as our as our as our show wrap up. So sounds good. So to to close out the evening, Steve's going to read us a bedtime dwarf Duarden story. <laughs> okay, so we'll be right back, folks. Check out that guy in the Garage Hammer shirt. Who cares about him? Look at that guy with the Garage Hammer hoodie. That's right, guys. Nothing tells the ladies I'm one of the gaming elite like garage wear. So hurry to garagehammer.net slash store, and soon you'll be the guy at game night that all the gamer chicks are talking about. Remember, boys, first you get your gear, then you win all your games, then you get the chicks. That's right, boys. The only gamers we notice are in Garage Gear. Before we close out for the evening, kiddies, it's time for a story. <laughs> so, Steve, please tell us the story of the Duarden and the Super okay. Table for the Holy yeah. Wars. Okay, so Table 4 uh, is what we're calling it right now. Duarden, Bugman's Grudge, the brew still flows. Um, and in the new age of Sigmar, Bugman's brew lives on. Um, in the new age, fueling those who seek to gain power and knowledge from this legendary elixir. Okay, so in the Bugman's Grudge, it's called the the main table objective is the Bugman's Grudge and Keg Party. All right, and so um, before before deployment, players must choose one hero to fight Bugman's Grudge, um, and one unit must attend the Keg Party. After all war scrolls are deployed, heroes are deployed on the north side of Bugman's Brewery to fight the grudge. And they start in base-to-base contact, and only these models are allowed to fight. No shooting or magic can be cast into this combat. Units that are attending the keg party must make their way into the brewery. At the end of the game, the unit that suffers the most drunken wounds worth of models have claimed the objective. Now, there are very special rules for Bugman's Brewery. And I don't want to reveal those at this time. So okay. I, I apologize. The Grail token objectives. Now, if you know the if you know the dwarf the, the dwarf table had the two giant mountains on each corner. I don't know if you recall those. Of course. Not. Okay. Those two giant mountains in scenario three will be using three grail token objectives. The first is placed in the center of Bugman's Grudge. To the victor go the spoils. 
Okay. The, the remaining two will be placed on each mountain. And in order to gl- claim the Grail tokens, a unit of five or more wounds may enter the mountain and roll a d6. On a five up, the Grail is discovered. If the roll fails, the unit immediately exits the mountain on the adjacent side of the board and can function as normal. If the Grail is discovered, the unit exits the same mountain it entered and functions as normal. Capture the most Grail tokens and win the objective. So basically what could happen there is you could be running in and out of the mountains trying to find the Grail token. And you could wind up popping out on the other side of the mountain when it might not be the best time for you to pop out on the other side of the mountain. Okay. (laughs) So it's kind of like, I guess, maybe it's, those I guess would be our realm gates, popping in and out, you know, popping in and out. Oh, jeez. So, um, yeah, so it's just a little taste. I'm not going to give you the special terrain rules, though, for the main table objective. No, that's totally Um, fair enough. Yeah, I don't want to give too much away. I'll give you one more hint, though, because I've revealed this in other areas. The, um, the, let me find it for you real quick. Uh, we had a, there was a, you might recall this from Chris Yu when he was on the show. Uh-huh. He had talked about the Skaven table last year and the tower. Oh, you right, know, right, right. The tower and how it wrecked, it wrecked face on Malekith. So here are the new rules for the tower. And I'll explain the tower for you for this. Uh, let me find it for you. Okay, a little taste of, of, of the fun that is Holy Wars and Age of Sigmar. Okay, so the cool thing about this table is in order for you to claim the main table objective, you must occupy the clock bell tower. And the only way that you can raid the granary is by occupying the bell tower to direct your troops to the windmill to, to claim the, the granary, Okay. Make okay. sense? Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. So here's the, <laughs> the clock tower sinks. Okay. So starting on turn two, you roll a D6, and the unit occupying the tower, on a roll of a one to three, the unit suffers D3 mortal wounds, no saves of any kind allowed. And then it progressively gets worse. Oh, oh yeah. So, Progr- okay. Yep. So turn three, so it, it kind of it's the idea that it's sinking into the into the blighted marshes. So on turn oh, okay. three, so then so it starts out on turn two, you're suffering D three mortal wounds. On turn three, D six. On turn four, two D six. And on turn five, three D six. Okay, so here's the caveat though. The way we have deployment set up, it's gonna be a mad dash to get into the tower early. So you're gonna be battling to see who can get control of that tower early before it's, you start taking those hits, right? Because you want to claim that main battle objective. Exactly. Or you might say to yourself, okay, I rock up to that table. I know I don't have enough scrolls, right? So I got my, tw- I got my 30 scrolls. I might not have enough units to take those kind of hits late in the game. So I might say to myself, okay, I'm going to let my opponent take that objective while I try and grab the grails, right? And right. then make and then maybe complete my secret mission and thus try to win the game without going after the main objective. Okay. So so it's going to be about what can I do? How can I manage that? Right? So a good player, what a good player is going to do with their list is they're going to craft lists that are going to have enough models in it to take hits. Right. But they might not have to deploy them. So like if you're playing on this table, you might, if you take those, if you're taking units that have a lot of 
a lot of wounds in it, right? That can that can weather that storm. Okay, that might be where you say, okay, I'm going to put into reserve my monsters, right? Because okay. maybe they're not that important in this game. This game is about having numbers on the battlefield. You follow? So within that pool, within those pool choices, you're going to want to have those well-rounded lists, you know? And, and that, that's the thing, like one of the things that was brought up by one of our players was, you know, Hey, if I'm bringing zombies, you know, and I grow my, my unit of zombies, um, does that still count as a scoring unit? Right. Can I still claim that objective with like, let's say I bring, what's the minimum size 10 or is it 20? 10. 10, right. Okay. So I got my minimum, I deploy my minimum size of 10, but I grow it to 20. Okay. Um, can I still claim that objective? Yeah, you can still claim that objective as long as those original ten are still alive. Okay, but if those original ten, if those original ten die off, nope, you're not going to be able to claim that objective. You know, so it's those kind of things. It's it's that we're we're really trying to work hard, and I think we've done it with crafting those rules around that special terrain and how we can use those rules, and then the spread and where we're placing it, and the unique deployments, and really making our players who come to Holy Wars, they're going to be challenged. And I think they're going to have a great time and they're going to be playing some really unique scenarios and it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I wish I could, I wish I could play in it as a, as a, as a death player myself. Yeah. When you say those 10 original, do I have to somehow mark those 10 models? Like it's got, it's not if the unit gets down because if you, you know, if the unit gets down to zero, it's not holding anything. So if I grow past the original 10, I've got to keep the stuff I grew around to keep the original 10 safe. Yep, you do. So I got to keep those, you know, so as a, basically when I'm pulling models cuz you could pull any models you want. Exactly. I have to make sure not to pull those 10 even if that's right. not in the position I want them in. You betcha. They don't get pulled. And your opponent knows that as well. Right. So you better be defending your flanks and your rears because your opponent, if your opponent's we smart, don't have any flanks and rears. Well, you know what I'm saying. I know. I'm just. Uh, yeah, I'm just yeah, being that yeah, guy. yeah. Right, right, right. So you better depend. You better be thinking about that, right? Because it's like, uh, holy hell, you know, I don't want somebody swinging around the backside and getting to those guys that are my original ten. Or if you let's say you start that unit out at an original twenty, right? You, well, you it, once again, it doesn't really matter where they get into it, does it? Because you could pull any models you want. Like, you can. No, you can. But right. you're going to have to mark. My point is is yes you're right you can pull any models you want that's true that's totally true um so technically speaking yes you you could weather that storm but to going back to my point but it could if, mess you up i mean it could pull it, you yes. out of certain combats it could put yes. you out of the way i mean we were having this discussion last ep i was talking with the guy about this i don't know if it was last episode or off the air but you know i could literally i suppose if you attacked first i could pull enough models that that second unit you had in combat, if you killed enough models, if I pulled them from there, suddenly they're more than three inches away right. from, they're out of combat. Well, and the other thing, it's priority, dude. It's where you're fighting too, you know? Like you don't right. have to choose to fight that then and there, you know? You could, you could, you could wait. You could, you might be able to, to, to grab, you know, I mean, it, 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 they will be marked. And yes, like you said, you can pull them from wherever you want. That's true. But there are ways that you can separate those 10 from that grown unit of 30 if you, right. you know, w depending on what you do with your models and if your opponent 
gives you the room to get something in there. You know, it, it, it right. like, like if, if I, like if I get, if I, if I deploy in such a way that can separate your 10 from, you know, like a unit being fought, I mean, it can happen. It, 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 it's possible that you could, you, you know, you could get a unit of models in there in some way that you would be forced during that combat because none of those other original, you know, maybe the grown guys have been separated, you know, because I'm, I'm attacking then, you know, on the, uh, the, the other side, you know what I'm saying? You, you following me? Yeah, I'm following you. No, I yeah, got you. So, 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 so it is possible. It's not like that's not a, that's just growing it and then saying, okay, I can pull from wherever I want. That doesn't necessarily protect you from, you know, so it's going to be about management of your moons. It's going to be about management of your, of your models. And, 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 and I'm telling you too, you know, the big thing is that intervening terrain and how you use it. There's going to be, Pieces of terrain that are impassable, like there are these things, we're calling them clusters of terrain. Um, like on the Skaven table, for example, there's going to be a few what like look like force, but they're not. They're set up in a way where you're going to have to move around these it's things. It's too dense. You can't, be getting, you can't get through them. Yeah, yeah, it's too dense. You can't get through them. Um, on the Warriors of Chaos table, for example... Um, there's areas where on the Warriors of Chaos table, the shifting monolith, okay, which right. was a big, huge piece. The players love that last year, and this year I think they're going to love it even more. I mean, the shifting monolith is going to be, the way you win that objective is going to be the most wounds you cause friend and foe with the shifting monolith. Okay. So, so like, you're going to be, you're, you, it's the most you cause and the way you tally it, you're tallying it on not only your own guys, but also your enemy's guys. So if that monolith is rolling through and it rolls through your unit and their unit, you're tallying up your model count. And whoever kills the most models, friend or foe, wins that objective, right? But the, the, the tricky part You may part need with, to send it through your own models just to... If you could. Yeah. yeah. Totally. You totally could. And so that, once again, goes back to this whole idea of tactics, right? Like... When, when do you do something like that? Do you do it at the end? It's kind of like, I guess in a little way, it's kind of like the Kraken. You know, you're throwing models into the Kraken. Right. Um, but then the, the difference with it is that you've got these Grail tokens that are doing stuff too. And so, you know, the Grail tokens are sitting on the, the, the ice ponds. And so as you're defending, if you're going to claim that Grail token and you've got your unit in there, you're going to be rolling because guess what? You know, ice cracks. Right, guys might be getting sucked down to the icy depths. Exactly. And so it's like, so when do you go in? And you don't want that shifting monolith coming across and and then reducing a scoring unit that's not going to let you get those Grail tokens. So it's going to be a, it's going to be tactically challenging for a lot. I mean, we've seen it just in our own play testing, and it's been a, it's been a lot of fun so far. Yeah. So I'm uh, rambling. I'm sorry. No, it's it's okay, dude. It's it sounds awesome. Like I'm I. I'm just, I'm trying to take it all in. I'm like, wow, this is way more than I thought you were going to be yeah. doing. This is just, this is, you, you have really, you have, you've taken this idea of having the scenarios that you need to make the game fun. And you're just, you've, you've gone all out now at this point. Like, so you've got, I'm just, I want to make sure I have this straight. You have 15 tables. 15 tables. Each table is going to have its own setup. Yep. With its own set, and now it's not going to be the same setup for each game. No. So you have fifth. Basically, what you have is fifteen 
varieties on a scenario each game. Am I am I correct? No. 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 So, all fifteen all fifteen tables have their own unique scenario. And is now and and and, then they eat, and and unique deployments and unique terrain placements. And that changes every game. Uh, no player will play on the same tables. We're going to work real hard to make sure that that doesn't happen. Okay, because that was my question. Because if I'm at the top table and then I I keep winning, I'd be playing that same table, that same oh, scenario over and over again. No, the tables are not. There's not going to be any top tables like that. We're not doing any like you know. If you're on table one, that means you're leading the tournament thing. That, yeah. Okay, that's what I needed to know because I was like, otherwise, nope. you're coming up with 75 scenarios. Yeah, which I no. was like, what? No, no, not like that. But we're so not. Now gonna... you've got another thing mixed in there where you got to have the top two opponents. Well, I guess because so you you can still take the top two opponents, but then you've got to make sure that they don't play right on the same table twice. Twice, it's going to be a challenge for us. We believe we can. I mean, do it's, it. a, it's a possibility that you could get something where two players. Well. Yeah, I mean, because with the, with 15 different sets of players, you may wind up someone having to play on a same table twice. It's, it it's, may happen. It, it may happen, and if it does happen, then what we would do is we would look at switching it up where, let's say, we have maybe one of the tables that's an attack and defend, and so we could we could switch it up that way so that a player... A player, you know, like let's say the top two players didn't play on a attack or defend table, and we wanted to mix it up somehow. We 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 think we could. We could last year when we ran the tip when we ran the tournament last year, we had I think we had a small group of players who played on the same table, and we offered those players to switch, but they didn't. You know, okay. we were like, hey, you can play on this table. They just all just wanted to play. They didn't care about the tables. But they were, yeah, I, I just I wanted to ask about that because like, otherwise, do you have a backup in case right. in case you can't? Do you have a you know? Then you'd need thirty scenarios. You right. know, every every table to have a secondary scenario in case a you have people playing scenario. on a, a, a twice. Yeah. yeah. No wonder you're like, geez, I'm working on this six days a week for like a year. Well, no kidding. Yeah, yeah it's been kind of nutty. Oh. Yeah, it has been kind of crazy. Like there's there's some really good stuff though it's it's, okay. it's good. All I can say, I mean, it'll be worth it if it all if it if everything clicks and this thing hits on all cylinders. It sounds like one of the most incredible ideas and ways to put together a tournament I've I've heard of. You know, um, she's cool. talking about embracing what Age of Sigmar stands for it and taking it to the nth degree. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not just trying to set up a simple comp system that everyone could play by. That we have some rules that sort of simulates yeah. what we're used to. You've yeah. thrown it all out the window. You're totally reinventing the wheel here. We're trying to. We're, we're going to see if it works. We'll see. We'll see. I well, mean, it could be. Luck. It could be and better. As, as things are progressing, you know, come back and and give us updates at the very least, or drop me a voicemail. Let me know how things are going at the very least. Oh yeah, sure, for sure, man. I mean, you know, we. You know, play testing is started is still going on. Um, we've we've had some really good we've had some good good fun results. Um, you know, it's been it's been fun. It's been it's been a challenge though. It's been exhausting. Um, well, I am excited to hear about how this goes. I really am. So cool, cool. Well, we're we're excited about it, and hopefully, hopefully it works well. So. 
Well, we'll here we are hitting the 18-hour mark, so I think it's time to wrap this up. <laughs> but, uh, whew, wow, okay. Dude, we've, 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 we've just hit everything today. This has been just a complete episode. I mean, the Q&A took a little longer than we thought, but we were really jumping into the news and rumors, and we had a bunch of the toolbox. I mean, this has just been... This has been a, a complete package episode, and getting the whole tournament update update at the end. And I swear, I had no idea this is where your tournament was going. Like as you're telling me, I'm just got less and less to say because I'm just trying to take it all in. Going, I can't believe what he's doing. I can't believe what he's like. He's doing what? Like I'm like I thought I had an idea. Like I I I'd seen Clash Comp. I'd played it. I knew you were. You said you were. You know, starting with that and taking some variety on it. And I'm just like. Well, this is nothing like what I expected. Holy crap, what is he doing? Yeah, it's kind of nutty. It, it really is. Um, I hope the players appreciate it. I hope they I hope they have fun <laughs> they with it. I really, I really do. I hope, I hope they just don't look at it and be like, oh my gosh, what the hell? Well, you the know, feedback, when, you, the, you, you will know from the feedback. And, and if it's good, you know, it'll, it'll just sell out quicker next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were there was some talk about invitational too. So um Ooh, which is kind of bizarre. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, yeah, there was some talk about that. Um I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, folks. Episode one thirty two in the can, ready to go, done and and uh in your ear holes. So <laughs> we'll be back uh right around Thanksgiving. Um or the twenty fifth for those of you who aren't in America. Um, and uh, we will, I, I, dude, I don't even know what's coming up. It could be uh, Warbound. It could be me and me and uh, and Johnny doing Galmaraz. It might just be some live gaming. I got no clue. We got so many things uh, lined up. But it's whatever we can get to recording first, basically, at this point. So I hope you guys all will tune in uh, next episode. And Steve, thank you so much for coming on and giving us this really amazing insight into what a, a really <laughs> dedicated <laughs> TO you are. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, it was a lot of fun. No, uh, I, I really enjoy it. And thank you for all you do for supporting the community. And um, uh, it's a tremendous amount of work and effort to, to, to put these things out. So uh, kudos I'm an to idiot you. with a microphone in his basement. That's literally all I am. So, oh, there's more to it than that. Don't set <laughs> yourself short. It takes it takes some talent to do what you're doing. Well, thank you. Yeah, it, you know, you know, 15 years of college and all those drama classes really paid off. As I sit here <laughs> making hundreds of people happy, uh, but uh, it's more than hundreds, dude. I know, <laughs> but you know. Oh, God. Wow, it's getting late, and I'm getting slap happy, and I've still got work to do when we shut this down. So, folks, we'll see you in a few weeks. Um, tons coming, so keep listening. Uh, and if you are into Age of Sigmar and you're liking it or you're just enjoying hearing about it, please tell your friends or maybe drop us a fancy old iTunes review. Hey, the other thing about Halo Holy Wars, if I may, oh, um, yeah. you know, it's it's it, it is sold out, but you know, check it out, holywarsgt.com. Right. And then then uh, sign up, get on the wait list because everybody who got who was on the wait list last year got in. So um, you got a chance to get in still. So check us out. Yep, absolutely. So um, all right, I guess that's it. Steve, take it easy. 
Yep, good night, brother. Folks, see you in a few weeks. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter, follow David at Garage Hammer, and follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through David at GarageHammer.net. You can reach me, that's Chris, through Chris U at GarageHammer.net. And you can reach both of us through GarageHammer at Live.com. If you want to help support Garage Hammer, check the support page or the show store on our website, or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening.